What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO, episode 42. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. Yeah, it does me good to be here today. It does me good to see you. It's been too long. No what, I was I was off at RTX in Austin, Texas. Mm. Thank you to the hundreds of you that came to panels, came out to see us, came to autograph signings, did all the crazy shit with us there at RTX. Thank you for your support. Amazing as always. Colin, what did you play while I was gone? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, uh... Adventures of Mana. Ah, yes. Vita. The, the Vita Stealth release from yep. last week. So this happened. This was released the day at, well, the day of the last posting of PS I Love You. Sure, so we, we didn't know, know it was going to happen. Um, a, I mean, I don't know what Square Enix is thinking with this. Uh, why you would just not say anything and then release it and then just put the PlayStation blog post up. No no hype, nothing. Now, I appreciate that they released it. People asked them to release it and they did. But why, I don't understand this whole, like, we're just going to put it up. Put it, like up. It, it literally appeared no on the fair. store in Europe before they even said anything. Yeah. So... Just from a publisher standpoint, fucking stupid. Um, but uh, the game itself is a remake of uh, Seiken Densetsu or Final Fantasy Adventures. We knew it in the West. Came out in 1989, 1990 in Japan, and 1991 in, in uh, America. And I actually had this game on Game Boy. And um, it was kind of Zelda-like in a way, but I mean, it's not nearly as good as Zelda. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's the original mana game. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, much like the Final Fantasy Legend games, Final Fantasy Legend 1, 2, and 3 were released on Game Boy. These were like more traditional turn-based role-playing games on Game Boy. These, those were actually Saga games. So like you saw later, like Saga Frontier and all those kinds of games. This was the original Madden game, but was renamed much like those Final Fantasy Legend games as a Final Fantasy game to sell it. Sure. Um, so it has like a special place for people. It was remade, I think, on GBA not too long ago. Uh, maybe 10 years ago. What do you uh, think of it? I played it for like maybe 30 minutes. It's very basic, I thought. Yeah, it's very easy. Um, it's funny because like it's it was scratching an, a specific itch for me and uh, I, I enjoyed playing it and it was a little nostalgic for me. Um, but it is very easy. It's very straightforward. Um, you don't really die in it. Like it, um, It's obtuse as hell though. Like knowing where to go. The, you know, the um, enemies respawn constantly. It's, it's basically like a straight remake of the original in terms of like even the limitations of the original with, you know, the RAM limitations of the Game sure. Boy. So, like, it wouldn't remember that enemies were killed on the previous exactly. screen and stuff like that. Um, so, scratching a specific itch, it's not, like, a great game, but I, I think it's fine. Um, it's good. The thing was, and I tweeted about this this weekend, was that I reached a point in the game where I was actually trapped. And this was, a, this was like, stuck, like a game-breaking bug. And this was actually something, apparently, in the original. I don't remember this, but because of the RAM limitations of the original game and the perceived limitations of this particular game, if you go through a locked door and then go use a key on it and then go a few screens away, then the door locks behind you. Mm. So I was trapped in Glaive Castle or Castle Glaive, depending on the version you're playing, I guess, um, between two locked doors, like in a few rooms and I couldn't get out and I was just totally stuck. And I started like lo- looking about that, looking around on this and people were having the same problem, not only on this version of the game, but on Final Fantasy Adventure, the original second Densetsu version sure. as well on Game Boy. And uh, it's in this one too. I-, I just don't understand how, even if it's a straight remake, how you, I don't even I was telling Aaron because Aaron's the one who figured out how to fix this. Yeah, I was this gonna was, say you, te- you texted me that you're gonna rip Square Enix a new asshole today and I said why I said game breaking bug and then you texted back lol Aaron just figured it out. Yeah, so th- this is a good story, but but uh, um, You know, I, 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 I don't even remember the last time I reached a game breaking bug in a game Like yeah. I don't, that's like that's how inexcusable in 2016 it is. It's not 1985 anymore 1990 where things do break in games and there's no way to patch them and there's no way to know and stuff. I mean, there's, you know, even though I think the original Metal Gear had a famous game breaking thing. There was there was like there's a lot of stuff. The original the last game I remember ha- of any consequence having a major game breaking bug was Other M on Wii, mm-hmm. um, which had in. a huge game breaking bug in it. Yeah. Um, th- if you did certain things. Yeah. And you had a mail in your SD card to get them to fix it. Um, so I feel like this was just from a, a perspective, even though we figured out a way around it. 
totally inexcusable that this is happening in a game in a day of QA testing. This must have gone through Square Enix's internal QA. This must have definitely gone through Sony's QA and it passes. But there's definitely a way to break the game. And apparently there's a way to break the game like this in many places in the game Mm. or at least more than one place. So So how did Aaron figure it out? That's what I want to know. When you die in the game, you're Colin Moriarty. I am. So Aaron doesn't play games. Yeah. And, you know, she, we play Tetris and stuff, but she doesn't play games really. But she likes to try things out. She plays Hitman Go and she, sure. all this, but she likes playing the Vita. And so she's like, let me try this game. So I'm like, OK, uh, she starts running around figuring out the game or whatever. And she dies. And it brings you back to Adventures of Mana screen or whatever. And it says new game, continue and load game. Yeah. Now, I showed her earlier in the day that or when she came home from work, I was like so fucking pissed. She's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I, I spent all this time with this fucking game. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just I was so mad that the game. How many broke hours me. do you think you were in? I don't know. So here's a, an aside, a tangent. Yeah. This is one of those few Vita games that counts time in real time, no matter what. Oh, so oh. I'm literally like 200 hours into the game right now. Yeah, in other yeah, words, yeah. you have to like the, actually close the, the game. The Vita's or, in sleep mode, and it's like I'm still counting. This counts. Yeah, it's like I'm, I, so there's a few games like that. Another fucking completely stupid design thing that really, really, literally would have taken two seconds probably to fix. Yeah. Um, because people RPG players care about how much time they spend with their games. I'm super crazy about that. I've I've said in the past that I've restarted games hours and tens of hours into games because I like let the clock go accidentally. I hate yeah. it. I yeah, fucking yeah, hate yeah, it. You know, that's not a good look. Um, so, uh, we get back to the screen, the splash screen, and I had gone back to the screen and I showed her. I'm like, you know, in, in a role playing game, typically you make multiple saves for for to to combat issues. And I was yeah. explaining to her the philosophy of save spots and all this kinds. Of, we were getting like really deep into it. She's like, well, why can't you just save anywhere? I'm like. The idea of the safe spot in a role-playing game was to alleviate the possibility that you can break the game by putting yourself in situations you can't get out of. So it only makes you say, so I'm like, it's a very clever workaround. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, then there was the advent of the quick save and all this kind of stuff. And we were getting all this thing in there and it's, it's pertinent information because, um, I showed her my saves and I'm like the one time or the, the, that I don't make multiple saves, just be careful because I never need them. I make multiple saves and then I'm like, why do I have yeah, all these exactly. saves? I have like 75. I showed her I have 19 empty slots and then my one save or whatever with 150 hours. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's not really. I've been played it for 10 or 12 hours. I don't know. Yeah. And um, which is still a lot of time. I don't have a lot of time anymore to play games. I was really mad. I'm like, I, I invested a lot of time into this yeah, game. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, look, so I go to continue and I'm like, it just takes my most recent save. But. It was taking a quick save, a, like a, a stealth quick save that was made. And she, when she died, went to load game and loaded it up. And I was outside of the castle. There you go. And I'm like, fucking A. <laughs> you know? How long did you spend being fucked in the castle, you think? I ran around that castle probably three hours trying to make this particular enemy spawn. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make it so skeletons drop keys. Yeah. You have course. to buy keys. And for people that don't have, so in Adventures of Man, you have to buy keys. Like there are locked doors. You have to have these things called keys and these things called Maddox. Um, that are pickaxes and keys or whatever. The Matic eventually is replaced by when you get the morning star, you can use it to smash walls, but you can get trapped by not having Maddox too. You can, but with the keys you like, and people are like, dude, you have to have like 12 keys at all time. Just to yeah, be yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm like, you have to be, cause you only have 20 item slots. Sure. Know? Sure. And you're picking up all this nonsense. So anyway, that's this philosophy of that story. I, I was fucking in fury. I was furious. Are you I still think, playing it? Or are you? Yeah, but I, mean, well, I haven't played it since. I, when she fixed it, I was like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna watch Kirby Enthusiasm." Gotcha, gotcha. We're watching Kirby Enthusiasm all the way through again. But you think you're gonna get back to the secret of the man? Oh yeah, I, I like it, I, and and I want to encourage. See, this is the kind of thing where I'm like, I am Setsuna is another Square game that's not coming to Vita now. It's coming to PS4. It came to Vita in Japan. Yeah, and it's a it's a beloved Chrono Trigger like role playing game that people are really excited about. It comes to PS4 in only a few weeks. Um, and I was wondering, I'm like, is this signal? that they're going to bring that over too in a secret way or are they seeing how this game sells mm-hmm. now the word out of japan is i am setsuna does not run well in vita and that might be one of the reasons why it might not be in the game apparently it just doesn't run well sure um, bring it out or in, in, the, in the region or whatever 
But nonetheless, I kind of want it's like eleven dollars or twelve dollars or something like that. I think it's actually kind of worth the money. And maybe we can send Square Enix a message um, that even though it's kind of a, a fine game, it's not a great game by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. And it's broken in its own way. Just avoid those breaking things. Use a walkthrough or something. See, on the plane, I jumped in and started playing it. And I was like, OK, I see what's going. It didn't scratch my eyes. So I just went back to Odin Sphere and just played that the whole way. Love that Odin Sphere. Because as I said last week, I downloaded Ro- Rebel Galaxy. Not didn't scratch an inch. I downloaded that that eight bit or that that beat 'em up fucking Dead yeah. Island game I haven't played yet. And I downloaded Pure Solar, which I started playing, and it's a great game. That was originally, as we said, a Genesis game and a Dreamcast game made you know a few years ago. Um, and so that just like had a, I, I, so I have this role playing game want right now. Sure. What I've been playing around with the idea is, of course, maybe, maybe it's time to actually go back to Persona. Yeah. Yes. Um, it seems like time? it's a dead time here. I'm not really running out of time. I mean, you only, I thought got, about you because, only got half a year. Well, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, the game comes out in September. I don't have much time. But actually, no, it doesn't. It comes out in February here. Right. So, um, and we're obviously not going to import it. We can't read Japanese. So, sure. Um, so I was thinking about it. It, it. I look at it every so often on my screen. You should do it. And I'm like, mm, get back yeah. in there. How but it's such an investment. Have? The thing is, is, I played like five, six, seven hours of it. Yeah. You know, some months ago, and I actually really liked it. I was like, wow, this is actually really fucking great. Yeah. The weird thing about it is and i can do it on ps2 i guess but the weird thing is, is that i kind of want to play it on ps4 that was kind of the weird thing i walked away from it where mm. i'm like it's fine on vita but actually there's just no pleasing me you know apparently yeah so you should play persona for sure you got to get it out of the way get going you know what else i played since last time we talked was that pac-man 256 oh, yeah, so you that's a lot of fun that's a lot of fun yeah. i really really like that game yeah i like the progression i like earning more unlocks i like just playing till you die trying to get better chains doing all these different things cool good job Pac-Man. yeah i have to uh have to get that on my system it's uh amongst the the games in the ether the right download now. list the never-ending download list what um uh, well, i guess we'll get into it in a while. there's a, actually some interesting games coming out but we'll talk about that later i guess uh that will scratch the itch in the AAA kind of. There, there's a dearth of AAA games right now, which is mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, no, so. it's good. Let, catch up. Get mm-hmm. some breath, time to breathe. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna play that inside game on the Xbox. Yeah, no so that, bad boy. we had Ryan McCaffrey over f- on Thursday when you were at RTX uh, for Colin and Greg Live, and he was really singing the praises of that game. Yeah, everybody apparently is. it's only three hours long, so yeah, um, it will come over. But I, I, I but know. I do think that I can probably just get it out of. The it's way. like I don't want to wait. It's not mm-hmm. like Tomb Raider where it's like a 15 or 20 hour investment. I'm not doing that. Sure. Um, so yeah, and and but the thing is, is about about inside. So for people that don't know, inside Xbox One and PC exclusive for now, uh, made by Play Dead. Right. Um, guys these are the guys that made Limbo, and I actually don't think Limbo is like Limbo m- anything more than a really interesting good game. Like I I don't understand this like Limbo fucking people love Limbo, and I'm like I don't I love get Limbo. It. I, I just think it. Limbo got oversold is all you i think I mean? that's probably the, that's what we discussed too is i think that's probably limbo the problem. was i remember seeing that when it first debuted at gdc in the indie arcade and you went over and you played and you're like this is awesome this, these puzzles are cool it's dark it's got this different feel to it and then by the time that drum was getting beat so hard it came out people played it and that's when everybody got crazy about it and this is a game that never went away because it limped out onto all these other systems after the fact yeah i think i i played it i think i actually did play it on 360 but not until i think i played on ps3 too but i, I think not until like much later so i think it was a victim of its own hype. total but, victim hype where but, uh, everybody says this game's amazing this game's amazing you sit down you expect something amazing you get a good game but it's not exactly yeah it didn't want. it didn't like i think it's a good game i think it's an interesting game yeah i think it's really pretty um, but like people are super inside, but in so I, I'm wondering if like I'll have same a similar thing. reaction. Yeah, to this. Same thing. That's why I'm trying to get on it now. Just jump on it before I know anything other than it's already hyped through the roof. It's getting perfect tens or whatever. Yeah, yeah but I'm just looking for a but fun three game. hours like, you know, whatever. So not a, not a bad investment. I might just get on PC. I mean, my laptop will run it. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, we have T-shirt Tuesday returning right now, July 5th. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, head over to kind of store where you can get 
an exclusive Vita Island t-shirt and poster. It's only available for 24 hours. So if you're listening to this after midnight Wednesday, you fucked up and I apologize for that. You should probably follow us on Twitter where we talk about these things. If you didn't know, this is PSI Love You XOXO. It is KindOfFunny.com's PlayStation Podcast. It is the number one PlayStation Podcast on the internet. And it posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on KindOfFunny.com and podcast services around the globe. So subscribe to the YouTube channels, do all that stuff, keep up with everything. Colin, Mm. let's begin the show with what is and forever will be Roper's Report. Time for some news. There are 10 items on the list. A baker's dozen. Now, the most important news is that Kevin didn't set up the camera I did. I just want to make sure the shot looks crisp. Damn, that looks good. Look at how good you look. I I focused on your face. And it looks good. A lot of people focus on my face. Yeah, it's hard not to. My mouse is broken. You trim everything up because you you look clean. It looks clean. Your yeah. Hair, I, oh, your hairlines and such. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I, I, did, yeah. I did trim everything up. Everything. Why am I on Facebook? I don't need to be here right now. Okay. Number one. If you have an active PlayStation Plus subscription, these are the six free games you can look forward to acquiring in July of 2016. On PlayStation 4, Fury will be free as well as Saints Row Gat Out of Hell. Fury is a new brand game. new brand new game. Uh, looks pretty cool. Boss attacks. On PlayStation 3, you can download Qual- Call of Juarez Bound in Blood and Fat Princess for free. And on PS Vita, or Ashika Tainted Bloodlines, which is like kind of a first party role playing game. It's not very good. Uh, it wasn't it's terrible about, though. No, it's about family lineage and like, I don't know. And Prince of Persia Revelation, which I actually think is a PSP game, yeah. uh, will also be free of charge. So again, uh, PS4, Fury, and Saints Row Get Out of Hell. PS3, Call of Juarez Bound in Blood and Fat Princess and Vita, or Ashika and Prince of Persia Revelation. Now, how do you feel about this lineup? Because people always yell about this lineup. It's bad. It's a bad lineup. Yeah. Now, now uh, there are some good games in there. I, I think Fury is going to be good. And Fat Princess is a great game. I think PlayStation 4 is kind of strong in terms of like breaking down by the, the consoles on there or whatever the platforms on there. People like Get Out of Hell. We didn't. We've never been Saints Row folks, but they enjoyed that. Yeah, I guess Fury's brand new, which is always cool to get yeah, a new game. I guess bad is actually kind of hyperbolic because Call of War actually isn't even that bad either. So, yeah. Yeah, so I don't remember that being good, but um, yeah. The Vita stuff's starting to really disappoint me. It's not sure. that Rashika's bad. It's not that a, it's not a bad game to get for free. It's, it's just, just not a great game. It's just like where like I, I like they don't seem to be focusing too much on indies anymore. Like and I like I actually think that was the kind of the fun is having like Rogue Legacy or something like that as sure. a, as a game that like really get your your you know, mitts into some I don't know whatever. Number two. Speaking of PlayStation Plus, Sony has revealed just how many paying subscribers are currently reaping the benefits of the service. Sony's Andrew House revealed that the number sits at 20.8 million paid subscribers, which constitutes around half of the PlayStation 4 user base, though it's important to note that PS Plus can also be used across PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita as well. So, in other words, it doesn't necessarily mean everyone on PlayStation 4 or half of PlayStation 4's audience. There's still people using PS3 and Vita We're as their primary Vita. console. Assuming all 20.8 million subscribers paid $49.99 for a yearly subscription, Sony is grossing roughly $1 billion annually from the service. Damn, son. Not bad. No. It's going to be interesting to see how that number goes, though. I feel like all we hear now is people complaining about PlayStation Plus. Yeah. For so long, it was great. It, everybody was happy with it. And now people aren't happy with the games. They're not using the multiplayer. Well, people are hard to please. I do agree, though, that, you know, I used to really sing the praise of PS Plus back in the day. People have to remember when we were at IGN, when PS Plus was re- revealed, everyone hated it. You had, like, yeah. And we were the ones that were like, it's actually a great service. Like, I, I, I want to go back and dig up some of those articles. Like, people fucking hated playstation plus for people that don't remember yeah i think it was 2010 we just ran people, through we just ran the, the, the itemized list of what we had what we had what we spent for the year and then what we were getting right was and i kept doing this math being like and i think actually sony cited my math a few times because you know they used to email us and ask us if we can use this that yeah, yeah. as they do um and i was like it's 
so clearly a great service. But now I do think it's not, in the, and not, I don't want to say in the decline, but it's certainly in like a like a interesting different place. Yeah, like, I just feel like the games aren't as interesting. They might not be willing to pay for the games that they need to get. They're also going through a lot of games. So like over time, you're losing. The, like every time you have a free game, you conceivably can't make it free again because people just put it back in their download list. And then if you bring up infamous again in three years after you had it for free, people are going to fucking flip out even worse. So sure. So they're, they're kind of in a, between a rock and a hard place. My, the interesting thing I think is going to be like, why not drop? They can start experimenting with things. I don't think that people are going to like these kinds of things, but like get rid of a Vita game, get rid of a PS3 game, have three PS4 games. Yeah. You know, that's the always big promise a new game every month. Or that's something the like big that. thing, right? Is the fact that the PlayStation three and Vita, I don't think you're going to see good titles on anymore because they just don't care. Who cares? No, Sony doesn't care about the Vita. They're not going to try to get you motivated to buy a Vita. That's not a selling point for you. If you're a Vita audience, if, if, in the Vita audience, if you're on Vita Island, you already own most of the Vita games you'd ever want from mm. this. So you're not going to care about that. Mm. PS3 is for all intents and purposes dead. You know what I mean? Like it's gone. It's it's sailed off into its 10 year life cycle. You only care about PS4 for the most part. And then you're going to get there. Yeah. And it's like, all right, Fury is a brand new game. So it could be good. It could be bad. And then Saints Row. Did you already buy or play or try? No, it's up to you. It'll be interesting to see what, what they figure the way they could do it is October. They come out and knock out one of the platforms, both the platforms, and then add in PSVR. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd be an exciting way of like, all right, cool. You bought you went off and you bought this thing and you subscribed to our loyalty program here, PlayStation Plus. So, yeah, we'll give you a, v, a VR game or experience. I like that every year. That's a great idea. Or, I'm sorry. Month. You're not you don't have good ideas very often, but that's a good one. <sighs> I fucking don't like you. Number three. A source has indicated to the Wall Street Journal that Sony will not only release the now confirmed Neo iteration of PlayStation 4 this year, but that the company will also release a slimmed down old PlayStation 4 this year as well. This is one of my E3 predictions. <clears throat> Damien Thai of, of Macari Securities told Wall Street Journal, according to the paper, that, quote, Sony might also introduce a slimmer version of the PlayStation and, quote, those, quote, Sony declined to comment on that possibility, end quote. The launch might happen at or around Tokyo Game Show in September, according to Thong. This would be an interesting thing. I still think that this has to be in the cards because... Just to get this PS4 out of uh, off the shelves, make a slimmer, sexier version of it that will sell cheaper as uh, to give more of a price discrepancy between this and the Neo to give the Neo more value, perceived value. Sure. So I think I do think that that's kind of a given. But I I, was, I thought it was going to be D3. Yeah, the fact that they're playing this all so close to their chest, the fact that there aren't really very states, weird, very very weird. And you wonder how much Scorpio had to do with it. I also think that Neo, I still, uh, from a practical, some I mean, it, it's not you have to be. <laughs> The Neo is going to happen. Like, I really feel like they, they got flanked by Scorpio in a way. Yeah. But like the components are ordered. The thing's done. Probably people have their 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 dev kits. It's like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what you can do. I just think that they're uh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Number four. We'll see. I still want to see them talk about a period. Not me just too. Andrew House having a fucking interview. Come out and sell this thing. What does it do? Yeah, me too. I'll be interested. We're going to wake up one day and they're going to. Yeah, it'll be everyone. I mean, chances are it's happening tonight. Yeah, we'll have edited yeah. this show and it'll, they'll fucking do something True. on the blog tonight, True. you sons of bitches. Number four, Bioshock the collection is real and has been officially revealed by publisher 2K. The collection will cost $59.99 and will come with the original Bioshock, Bioshock 2, and Bioshock Infinite, along with all single player DLC released across the trilogy. The games will run in 1080p at 60 frames and will launch on September 13th in the States with release elsewhere in the world a few days later. Blind Squirrel Games is the studio behind the port. The studio also worked in some respect on Evolve, Sunset Overdrive, Disney Infinity 3.0. Borderlands 2, XCOM, Enemy Unknown, and Bioshock Infinite. So they were probably a, a contracting studio doing yeah. art assets or something like that, or some, you know, some in some whatever they were doing. Well, for people that don't know, smaller studios that uh, Drinkbox Studios is a great example. Um, smaller studios that try to gain funds to make their own game will often contract their work out to other studios in a ghostwriting almost fa fashion to do 
asset building or coding of some sort, yeah. environments, uh, multiplayer, whatever. So this seems to be what they did on these games. I don't know in what respect they did, but just for people that are confused I how they worked on Evolve. They probably wrote the story for Bioshock Infinite. Mm. Someone had to. Number five. If you don't yet have a pre-order for PlayStation VR, you're probably you've probably missed your window to get your hands on a unit at launch. A new wave of pre-orders for PSVR launched last week, and according to GameStop, allocations were gone in minutes. Sony has said that pre-orders are officially done, meaning if you didn't get one and still want one to launch, your options are extremely limited. You fuck, son. So you have to assume that everything's going to be spoken for at launch, but but maybe not. I mean, maybe you can go to Best Buy. They'll or, still have yeah, there'll still be lines for it, but then you have to. It'll be like every other time there's a console launch, you didn't pre-order, right? How many units did they get? Mm-hmm. What are they actually going to have on shelves? How early is the lineup? What's funny, by the way, Greg, about this is, and I saw you, you've been seeing the tweets as well, because a week or two ago, we talked about how they're starting to go around the stores to, to show PSVR to people. And I said, like, you know, go go to the site, look up if they're going to be around you, go play it. And we are getting a lot of tweets from people being like, you guys were right about this, that the PSVR really is fantastic. I'm fucking telling you guys um, that this thing has a lot of potential. And it's cool to see that people that don't have the p- capability of going to shows and waiting on lines for hours don't have access to them like we do. These people are seeing these things for the first time. It's exciting. It's like exciting to see people like been reading about this for years, but have not put on the headset. NWO Hollywood wrote into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can. It says, hey guys, over the past weekend I was able to try a demo of PlayStation VR at Best Buy and I have to say that I'm impressed. Very impressed. I've used a Samsung Gear headset in the past and liked it, but I still wasn't sold on VR. But PlayStation VR has successfully made me a believer in the technology. And as far as gaming goes, I'll say this. It is by far the best gaming experience I've ever had. Bold words, Mm -hmm. but this is what we're talking about. Every time when you put VR on for the first time, you always say it's a religious experience. Mm -hmm. It's something that you totally feel different in and you it's weird every time i put it on for the first time or every time i put it on i should say for a session after a long a break it's just a session some vr mm-hmm. you know how i do it's a crazy to be in a new world transplanted transplanted in a new space and have you know the room go to j- being a giant airplane hangar or whatever yeah i think that it's uh i mean we've used, we've talked about it's so like ad nauseum like that there are times where i think about psvr or i think about just oculus or whatever and i'm like you know I get excited about the possibilities and I also get excited about playing the games that I already played. A lot of people have been tweeting saying Valkyrie is the game just like for me that really sold them on this. And I'm like, I'm fucking telling you guys, this yeah. is it's just really remarkable the first time you go into that 3D space. Yeah. Um, and like you're saying, like it's been all weekend long. People for these Best Buy experience tweeting both of us mm-hmm. about this. Yeah, it's great. Uh, on this thread, Raka wrote into kind of slash PSQ and said, hello, Colin and Greg. Hello. My question is this. Do you guys think VR will have a chance to be successful as a new platform for gaming and other experiences and be able to make it into the mainstream households around the world more so now than ever before the success of a product can depend so much on what we read about on social media and other platforms so do you feel the obligation to make it successful is on manufacturers developers or gamers or is it a combined effort it's on the companies to make this matter. If you're going to put it out here and sell it, I think VR is on Sony to prove it. Just like with what we're talking about with Neo. Sony has to come out and explain what the fuck this machine is and why you need it. These VR uh, test beds, these Best Buy experiences are a great way to do it. We've always said that, you know, you have to use it. You can't watch someone do a demo of it. You can't watch a video of it. You have to put it on your face and really understand what it's like to be in that experience. Now, what was interesting is another email or, or another couple kids in the, in the comments over at kindoffunny.com slash PSQ. We're talking about the fact that they went to the Best Buy experiences, loved the Best Buy experiences. People left, like literally went from, this is awesome, walked over and bought their PS4 and then walked off. They were that thing. But there was this undercurrent to it of, it's still Sony fucking up in a way, in the way that 
literally everybody at their session played it and was like, this is fucking awesome. And then they were like, all right, where do I pre-order? And like, oh, we don't have any of those. You can't buy you know, like, with this thing. You can't pre-order right now. Like we're all out of pre-orders. There's nothing for you. To, you know what I mean? Like it was a part I never thought about. Um, yeah, you're making, you're having people play this thing. Oh, they're, they're so obnoxious. They're taking it off going like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> Here's my money. And they're like, oh, I can't take it. We're sorry. The pre-orders are all out for right now. Yeah. The, the other, the, so yeah, as Sony often does, they fuck up. Um, so, uh, they, the funny thing about this is that the, the, the problems weren't limited to that. Although that is an endemic fucking problem. Um, the problem also is that the people that were using these things had no idea what the fuck, like, or at least from, from anecdotally from what I've been reading is that a lot of these people that were demoing had no idea what the fuck they were talking oh, about. Oh, sure. Um, you know, so like, there, so there like was our E3 demo of like Zelda. And, and I was like, oh, what about this? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I only know this demo. And people also, or at least one guy was saying, and I don't know if it, maybe it was more than one person that was saying anecdotally to me that they went and the person didn't even show up, like the person to show the Oh, yeah, there was one up. that we saw that somebody tweeted both of us. Yeah, that they waited in line for hours and then nobody ever came to turn on the demo or whatever. It's like, so Sony re- does need to get its act together in this way, but there's Sony. I mean, this is what Sony I mean, does. It, so it's not even that as much as like this is what happens when you hire out contractors to do this thing. But then like the, the pre orders thing, I never thought of. I just never thought of like, yeah, yeah you're right. That's People are going to take it off and be like, this is great. And like, I can't, but it's not in stores yet. And when it comes out, it's going to be really hard to find. So to the question of will VR be successful? I think you and I are both on the same page that this generation is going to be moderately successful. Like I think getting units in hands and like price points and all that, but it does have the potential to be not as big, but be a wee kind of thing where, you know, you're going to buy this in October and you're going to go to your parents' house at Thanksgiving or they're going to come over and you are going to like, put this on. Try this out. And then they are going to have that. Holy crap. This is amazing. Do I think then they're going to go out and buy a PlayStation 4 and this and spend seven, eight hundred dollars to get all the stuff they need? No, but there's going to be people who do that. There are going to be families and there's going to be friends that are like, holy shit, this is amazing. And I want to do it. Yeah, I think I'm actually so I do agree with with your assessment. I will say I'm getting more bullish um, based on the pre-order hype. Sure. For these things, there is a latent demand for this this thing people can't get their their pre-orders those things are going in minutes that happen the first time they happen too so we don't know how many hundreds of thousands or millions of these things are selling i think they want to do one or 1.5 million in the first what two one or two quarters something so they're not like being super ambitious for context playstation 4 when it launched in november 2013 sold a million units in the united states in one day so that's not that's not psvr is a niche item compared to the, the ps4 but i am becoming more bullish based on the hype that's going on in in media spheres the hype of people that are finally playing it for the first time at shows and in these these little kiosks and the pre-order numbers seem to be very strong for psvr um it will be dependent on the games launch lineup um the launch lineup seems like it's and we're going to talk about it it seems like it's it's coming together and it's not going to be anything that's going to like blow you away but by yeah. the end of december you're going to have some cool stuff to play on it and i think resident evil 7 is going to be the first like real game we're going to get of like a meaty single player variety i could be wrong um but i do feel like See, a lot of people, and you compare it to Wii, and I think that there's there's something there. But think about the rubber band effect of the Wii and PlayStation Move and all these motion controls. People don't want to fucking play like that. Yeah. They don't. I mean, it was it was a cool novelty, but everyone was like, go, you know, doing like the, the Wii music guy from fucking E3 in 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly no one wants to play that shit anymore. They didn't. We died quickly. It sold meteorically, and then it just fucking died. Sure. And PlayStation Move obviously didn't do anything either. Now, the Move controllers and all that have something in the Vive and all that have their motion controllers. But... There is a rubber band effect where everyone's like, no, we like playing with a controller, but I don't. Th- so it's so it's a gimmick, right? But VR to me isn't a gimmick like it's it's a way to play. It's going to be here in 50 years. Like, I still think we're going to play on TVs I in 50 you. years, but I do think that or monitors of some sort. But I do think that VR isn't like we in the sense that it is a it is a new novel way to play. It is it is an advancement 
like going to 3D. The danger is the danger is that yeah, I don't think inherently VR is a gimmick, but I think the easy way to use it is a gimmick. And so if it is that we get the first year all these experiences, quote unquote, that are shoehorning VR in, and it is a gimmick, and it is that that's when you get into the same part. What killed the Wii was the fact that. Nobody took advantage of it. It all became shovelware. We're just doing mini games over and over and over again. Nobody wanted that in the end. That's the thing that could easily happen here. That if it does start, we're just going to start pumping out experiences like mm. Gary the Gull, and we never, we never evolve from that to the next step. That's when you get into a dangerous that fucking bastard, Gary that the fucking Gull. Gary the Gull. I wasn't even looking at you, and you were trying to steal my food. Where is the interactivity, Gary? Number six. Resident Evil 7 was announced at E3 and quickly jumped up up to or near the top of many gamers' most anticipated list. The PS4 and PSVR game, as well as Xbox One, set for launch on January 24th, 2017, has officially been downloaded more than uh, two, uh, two million times in demo form. And Copcom is teasing that there are still unknown secrets in the demo. <gasps> Very PT-like. If you ask yeah, me. I wonder. So there, I wonder so there, so there are. Yeah, so there are uh, so apparently it's selling very or demoing very well. People are excited about it. I'm stoked about it. I have no interest in playing that demo. I want to go in totally fresh. Yeah. Although I don't think that demo is actually going to be in the game. Number seven. It appears that Bethesda is facing significant issues in bringing mod support to the PlayStation 4 version of Fallout 4. A tweet from the company indicated that not even the company knows when it'll have more information to share about possible solutions and a release date. The issue reportedly has to do with PlayStation 4's memory and performance, specifically with resources allocated to running the mods from the machine. So so it's basically how the it's very similar, as we said on Colin and Greg Live. It sounds like to why PlayStation 3 had a problem running Skyrim. It's because of the way the architecture splits the resources and mm-hmm. Xbox One allows for more flexibility in this particular way, I guess. But, you know, also, as people that listen to the show know, I don't know what I'm talking about with that stuff. Bethesda just hates PlayStation. Let's just admit it. Yeah, Call really spade a spade at this point. Can't wait to play Skyrim on PS4 at five frames a second. <laughs> just to fucking... It was running a 10 on PS3, but they're like, fuck you guys. <laughs> Number eight. Bloomberg reports that PlayStation's foray into streaming television, PlayStation View, is doing fairly well. Oh, really? And debuted in March of 2015 and has since then garnered over 100,000 paying subscribers. One source told Bloomberg the number is closer to 120,000 subscribers. So, pretty interesting numbers. Yeah. We Uh, have a few friends I know who use it. Yeah. Yeah, I know some people that use it too. Number nine. Sony is officially ceasing core support of Ustream on PlayStation 4. It's a little bit of an oddity. As of August 1st, you will no longer be able to broadcast gameplay to Ustream from PlayStation 4, nor view broadcast from Ustream on your PlayStation 4. Twitch is one. Ustream will still work in a piecemeal approach to get gameplay onto YouTube and Twitch, but will no longer function as a live broadcasting tool as of that date. Ustream lost. They, they did. I remember Switch. having the CEO in IGN uh, before PS4 launched and interviewed him about Ustream support, and I, it seemed like it was going to be a big... I didn't even know what the fuck Twitch or Ustream was in 2013, so... Sure. I don't think anyone did. Well, a lot of people did. I didn't. I'm going to see it. <laughs> Number 10. Anticipated VR game Super Hypercube has been confirmed as a PSVR launch title and will come out alongside the headset on October 13th. This is the wrap up, by the way. Gotcha. Likewise, rhythm game Thumper will also come out alongside PSVR on October 13th. 16 bit shooter Assault Assault Suit Lanus launches on PlayStation 4 on July 12th. And finally, free to play MMORPG Neverwinter will come to PlayStation 4 on July 19th. And that is it for Roper's Report. Now, Colin, you know that I am pumped to thump in Thumper on PlayStation VR. But that's a ways away. If I wanted to know what came to the mom and grop shops, both digital and brick and mortar, where would I go? You go to the official list of upcoming PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, and sometimes PSP software by the kind of funny co-founders. Is Ryan Clements back yet? Is he doing these things or is he still on Who cares? Eternity leave. Really? You're right. Whatever. The Banner Saga 2 comes to PS4 digital. The award-winning adventure continues in the Banner Saga 2. 
The epic story-based RPG continues its emotional journey across a breaking world. Bold leadership decisions, wise use of resources, and skillful battle tactics are vital to ensure your Viking clans make it through alive. If played, your choices will carry over from the first game, or you can start fresh with new preset characters. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Haven't finished the original Battle Saga. I I really would like to get back to that game. That game was really pretty fucking cool. Do you think you're going or are you going to jump in? I don't know. No, I'm definitely not going to jump in two without playing the first one, but the, uh, without beating the first one, but I really did dig that game. Yeah. It just it came out at not a great time, but I I played it the fuck out of it. It's hard. It's good. Gave me an it, it gave me an itch for something a little more Final Fantasy Tactics like them. Carmageddon Max Damage comes to PS4 Digital and Retail. This one's out on the eighth, so this is actually a Friday release. It says Carmageddon Max Damage is the driving sensation where your opponents are a bunch of crazies in a twisted mix of mad cars. So like more than thirty metal mangling vehicles designed for the job and wrecking opponents, chasing down pedestrians and causing maximum chaos. These opponents are crazy. Energy Hook comes to PS4 Digital. This was also announced, if I remember correctly, for Vita a long time ago, so I don't know what's going on with that, but it says Energy Hook challenges you to chain together sequences of tricks, wall runs, and stylish moves for massive scores. Hurdle through time challenges by using tricks to gain speed and seek out collectibles hidden throughout the levels. Energy Hook is a challenging game that requires a great deal of finesse and practice to master. Do you have what it takes? I don't think I do. Fury comes to PS4 Digitally. You were captured. See what they did to you. The jailer is the key. Kill him and you'll be free. Fight your way free in this ultra-responsive, fast-paced sword fighting and dual-stick shooting game. Terrible write-up. Womp, womp, womp. But it's free, so what the fuck do they care? Hawking exactly. comes to PS4. You're gonna get it if you got it. Hawking comes to PS4 digitally. This is also a Friday release on the 8th. War is a machine. Hawking is a multiplayer FPS that places you inside a mechanized war machine on the battlefield of a dystopian world. With tactical, fast-paced gameplay and customizable and upgradable mechs across multiple competitive modes, Hawking is explosively fun. Here's what I'll say. Mm. I feel like Hawken came out on PC in like 2008. Let's look. When I I don't I thought it's just I mean like, I've I've heard this name many a time. It's, I'm so confused at the Hawken legacy Hawken. and how when, where does it where what am I is there just Hawken came to open beta on PC in 2012. Okay. It came to Xbox One on the first of this month and then the eighth on PS4. Okay. Oh, there's here's your problem again with these open betas. Yep. Start did you there, see? Again. Did you see David Jaffe's tweet? No. What did he say? He's starting shit. No. He sure isn't. Let me let me look it up for you. Let me just click on this. Go ahead. Click. Yeah. Click around. And then I'm gonna click on this. See, this is what we're talking about. We always talk about with the problem with these open betas. Your guns ups. When, then they really release, and you don't know. It just I, I feel like I'm sick of hearing about Hawking because I remember having to. Not having to, I guess, but playing Hawking at a Comic-Con, I guess, in 2012. I don't know what the hell's happening anymore. What's Jaffe saying? Jaffe tweets on July 1st in the morning. This is kind of funny. Vids thinks we, with a, he dot, dot replied us. So kind of funny. Vids thinks we need to withhold drawn to death so it'll pop and have more hype when it releases a bit of hype when it releases what you think. Okay. And then he gave a little poll. 659 votes. 65% say kill private access now. 35% said more access to improve game. And here's some of the, the feedback from the people that were responding. Colin Martin says, go away for a bit. Give us a reason to get hyped and add a platinum trophy. Erica says, I think they had a good point in terms of messaging. Make it clear when it's releasing and build hype. Gary Jones says, to be fair, you guys know way better than we do. Continue making the games you love and I'll support them. Uh, now, I'm going to dispute that not from a game. David Jaffe knows how to make games. Of course, he knows what he's doing. I And he, he doesn't. He knows how to make a game better than almost anyone. That's not what we're disputing at all. I don't think Sony knows better about what they're doing with these games, though. I don't. I think that they're making a huge mistake because there's too many of these open betas. There's too many of these things. I think 
So it's I don't, I don't necessarily with, agree that they know better than us, withdrawn, the gamers. Into, and I'm not saying you and me. Withdrawn to death this weekend, I saw Jaffe put up a tweet with a code to download or get your access or whatever. And it's just like, why? Well, it's a landmine. It could go either way. I don't want to see. I like, I like what I've seen of Drawn to Death. I yeah. want to play the final version of Drawn to Death. I don't feel like beta testing it. And, that, and this is me being lazy, of course, and busy and everything no, else. No, it's you being practical. Why the fuck would you want to beta test a game for a year? You know? like yeah. you don't, Not that you have to. I know what you mean. Gary Jones says, to be fair, you... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Where did that one? Uh, Dionisio Sanchez Jr. says... Uh, so I got plenty of gaming on this one, blah, blah, blah. Clint Farley says, it is tough to tell. It really depends on when it's released and what it releases against. That is also a big deal. TJ... To, um, TGK Alex says, kill it and reopen that theme park later with all the trimming, explo- trimming exploding over social media and consoles. Um, just go just go dark. Remember that? When the, mm-hmm. when the submarine would go down and we wouldn't know what was happening with games and then they would surface and they'd launch missiles and we're like, that... It's how you launch a video game, like launching nukes from a submarine. Ari Conrad says, I think with a smaller undertaking, great balance is going to be super crucial to success and perception. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so a little bit of a mix there, but 65 to 35 percent. Um, it was more even than that before I retweeted it on a kind of funny business account. Though. Mm-hmm. So there's worth that noting as well. So, yeah, I, I think that David Jaffe knows how to make a great game. He's a friend of our of ours and our show, and he's a great man and a great game developer. Great American. And he's a great American. There's no fucking doubt about that. Happy Independence Day, by the way. But uh, but I do think that Sony might be shitting the bed with what they're trying to do with this game. Um, we'll see. We will. It would be a shame because it looks fucking awesome. Yeah, it's fun to play. You and, I don't, uh, you, you and I aren't even like arena based shooter guys. No, but I just love the idea. I would love to play that in single player mode. Sure. So let's see. Lost Sea comes to PS4 digital. Ah. We've had this for a while, but it's uh, finally I haven't played it yet. So I finally at, did play it. Did you like it? Nah, it let me down. Okay. <laughs> After a freak storm over the Atlantic, you find yourself stranded on the shores of a mysterious island. Do you have what it takes to escape the Lost Sea? Lost Sea is an action adventure game set inside the Bermuda Triangle. Recruit a crew of survivors who can help you explore the hazardous islands as you hunt for the artifacts needed to survive. It's very much what you were talking about, scratching an itch. On paper, it sounded neat. I like the screenshots. I jumped into it, and it's super basic. It feels almost like a mobile game. And then whenever that happens, I'm like, why is this not on Vita? Because the guy pops up with the word bubbles and everything. I was like, all right, like, what are we doing here? And then we're yeah. running around. I get this guy. I didn't play for a long time because it just didn't fit the. It wasn't fitting what I wanted to do. I'm not totally saying it's garbage or anything like that. It just seemed like it's not a great game. Mm. Lumo comes to Vita digitally. Has witnessed the rebirth of the genre in Lumo, a classic isometric adventure with a modern twist for gamers young and old alike. As a contemporary take on the long lost isometric platform game, Lumo can be enjoyed by anyone looking for an absorbing, challenging, and rewarding adventure. With more than 400 rooms across four unique zones, six hidden minigames, and all kinds of secrets to uncover, Lumo is a true voyage of discovery. Oh, a true voyage of discovery, finally. Metal Slug Anthology, which is a PS2 game coming to PS4 with trophies, says seven incredible Metal Slug games Metal Slug, Metal Slug 2, Metal Slug X, Metal Slug 3, Metal Slug 4, Metal Slug 5, and Metal Slug 6 so many Metal Slugs. Are, in the definitive, are in this definitive collection. Your job is to help the regular army defeat General Morden's rebellion by using a myriad of different characters, vehicles, and weapons. Rocket League Collector's Edition comes to PS4 retail. So soccer meets driving once again in the long-awaited physics-based sequel to the beloved arena classic supersonic acrobatic rocket-powered battle cars. Rocket League equips players with booster-rigged vehicles that can be crashed into balls for incredible goals or epic saves across multiple highly detailed arenas get your team fat flag and finally romance of the three kingdoms 13 comes to ps4 digital and retail the ultimate deception i'm sorry the ultimate depiction of the three kingdoms a heroic drama of gathering legends an experience that will immerse you even deeper into the world of the three kingdoms with human drama seen through the interactions of the heroes of the time and spectacular battles and it is the 30th anniversary of the romance gaming franchise people also have to remember i think romance of the three kingdoms is a famous chinese like epic 
Okay. That I think it's based on. Gotcha. But I could be wrong about it. Should I look it up? Yeah, why not? What Romance of the Three Kingdoms wiki. Romance of the Three Kingdoms, attributed to Luo Gongzong, is a historical novel set in the turbulent years towards the end of the Han Dynasty and the Three Kingdoms period in Chinese history, starting in 169 AD and ending with the reunification of the land in 280. So I think all of those games, that was published in the 14th century, by the way, all of those games center around that, which is very interesting to me. That's how Koei got put on the map, I think. Now you're talking about this being an interesting week for releases. Are any of these doing it for you? Well, the Lost Sea game was interesting to me. Yeah. Metal Slug Again, Anthology I'm not is saying interesting Lost, to me. Turn your back on Lost Sea. Bring your expectations I think, I down. I think you are. Bring your expectations down. I don't really understand why. It's not a calling game for sure. Well, that's that's too bad. Then I won't play it. Understood. Uh, Understood. So, uh, Banner Saga 2 I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Energy Hook looked cool, but I just I just don't want to play it on console. Fury, I... Boss Rush... When I found out... So, I saw screens of Fury and like was reading about it, but when I found out Fury was Boss Rush, mo- boss rush yeah. only, I'm like, I don't like that kind of shit. There was a game on PS3 the fuck was it? it was very Japanese. Um, it came to Vita. That was Boss Rush. It was fucking bad. Uh, what the fuck was it? I just don't like games like that. I like to sure. like, you like a story. It's the same reason why I'm glad at Xbox they took Cuphead back uh, and like made it a game. You yeah, know? but I heard people don't like the platform levels. Yeah, well, I mean, we did a video on it. It doesn't look very good now, but yeah, at least yeah. they tried. Uh, but yeah, other than that, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, I feel like I played a romance game on PS2. Okay. Not, not for, for me. So anyway, I think it's interesting for Metal Saga. I think it's interesting for Banner Saga. Okay. Um, I mean, not a great week. This is a week of just... Sure. This is what we're saying. Yeah. We're in the holdover. Mm-hmm. We're in space between spaces. We're chilling here with Indiana Jones and his friends. Indeed. Colin. Yes. Time for topic of the show. This one is what we always talk about here on the PlayStation Podcast. Xbox. I'm going to read you a story from IGN.com. Colin, are you ready? Yes. All Microsoft published games will now be Xbox Play Anywhere. This is from Joe Scrabbles over at IGN, which is a made-up name. It's probably Steve Butts writing under a made-up name. Microsoft has revealed that all games it publishes will now be part of the Xbox Play Anywhere program. On the Windows blog spotted by Video Gamer, Corporate Vice President Youssef Mahid writes... Every new title published for Microsoft Studios will support Xbox Play Anywhere and will be easily accessible in the Windows Store. Xbox Play Anywhere was introduced at E3 2016. Included games will be cross-buy and cross-play across Xbox One and Windows 10 PC. This means a single purchase will unlock the game across both platforms and saves and achievements will be transferred across both versions. ReCore is currently the first scheduled Xbox Play Anywhere release coming on September 13th with the likes of Forza Horizon 3, Gears of War 4, and Cuphead joining later. IGN also has a list of Xbox Play Anywhere titles so far. You have Gears of War 4, Phantom Dust, Killer Instinct, Forza Horizon 13, Cuphead, ReCore, Slime Rancher, The Culling, Everspace, Ark Survival Evolved, Sea of Thieves, Scalebound, State of Decay 2, Halo Wars 2, We Happy Few, and Crackdown 3. Forza Horizon 3. Not 13. I say 13? Just someone's going to fucking bust your balls. I said 13? Yeah, you did. Okay, cool. It could be the 13th Forza game. Probably uh, is. Who the hell cares? So I said this to you this morning because I was like, this. Would, I thought would be an interesting topic of the sure. show because there's show. There's a. There's a. A very different approach going. Fork on in the road side. here. Yeah. Xbox and Sony marching in different ways. And my instinct on this is that it is a very bad idea from a hardware perspective, but a good idea from a publishing perspective. And so there's a dichotomy here present inherently in, in the decision Microsoft's making. And when I, I wanted to see what you thought of this and how you think it might affect PlayStation. Now, PlayStation has come out on the record and said that this doesn't affect them at all. Sure. Um, 
but they are a very closed ecosystem. Sure. I mean, my thing with it from their announcement, right, is I don't care and I don't think a lot of people do. I think that based on the react, I mean, let, let's take the microcosm of RTX we were just at, right? Mm. I got to be on the Let's Play panel with the other, you know, the other heads, quote unquote, of the channels we're in the Let's Play network with. So Jeff was there. Bruce was there. Uh, Craig from Screw Attack was there. And Chris. Yeah, starting Chris. By the way, way to lose. I, I now I really have to go next year. Good, I'm glad. I'm actually. I mean, I'm probably not going to, but I really have, you have to, to go. Now. You yeah. got. You said you're going to come. Really disappointed me. No, we had a great. That dude. That that was that was probably the panel of a lifetime. I watched it. Like, dude. Like, it was Paxamania level. Like, I was so proud of that that whole performance. Yeah, but. you guys. You guys did a really nice job. I had. To, I turned it off eventually because something happened where I'm like, I can't anymore. I blew but, the dust in the face, or Nick put the microphone down his crotch, or. <laughs> It was awesome. Such a great time. I'm Anyways, I digress. I digress. Yeah. Going through that panel, it, we were, you know, pl- playing to the crowd and getting people cheering behind us or whatever. And we were talking about, you know, how everybody shakes down and how, you know, obviously Jeff's an Xbox guy. We're the PlayStation guys. Some other idiots on the panel. They're PC guys. I think these creature dorks. Nerds. But that was the thing is like the crowd erupted at each one of these. And I don't think it comes down to, I think the PC players are PC players. They're PC players. And Sure, they have an Xbox maybe and a PlayStation maybe for an exclusive that comes here and there, but I think they prefer to play it on their PC Master Race with their millions of frames per second that's beaming it right to their dick or whatever the hell it does, and they don't care. They, they I, I don't think... I don't think they're losing. I think that there's so many people that are in the PC camp that I'm a PC player that they really aren't console guys at all, like in any way. And I don't think that Microsoft's really worried about the small percent of them that did buy an Xbox One to start doing it. Not to mention that Xbox One hasn't been a rousing success like PlayStation 4. Very, it's a successful system, but not on that level, which is why we're already seeing the Scorpio come around. Like, it's something, I think, it's just added value. And it's just, that's all it is, where it just becomes like, yeah, if you're if you are so into Gears of War four, you're gonna play it on your console and you're gonna be into it. But then you have to travel and you have a good gaming laptop. There you go, keep it on the oh, road. I, keep going. I, I think you're missing farce for the trees with this one. It's yeah. not about the crossplay. It's about or the cross buy. It's about playing these games on PC. These games are all gonna be on PC. All of them. All of their exclusives are not exclusive anymore. All of them. But again, I don't and think that matters because like you and me, I, if if tomorrow PlayStation did the exact same thing. It was like all of our games from here on out, blah, blah, blah. I'm still playing Detroit on the PS4. That's where I play. That's what I love. I hate PC gaming. And I feel like there's Xbox people who are the same way. And I think PC people feel that way about consoles. But what about the, what about, we talk about Uncharted 4, and I'm just playing Devil's Advocate because I don't know the answer right or wrong. Sure. I do think it's We're a mistake a from a hardware perspective. Podcast. I think it's a good thing for, from a software perspective and a proliferation perspective. Sure. No, War 4, all thing. these games will sell better now. Oh, yeah. So, so, so from that perspective, it's going to be great for them. But I think that, like, so. Like I'm looking at the list here from your, or I don't need all of this. I guess I'm looking at your list from for, um, from IGN, from IGN of the game. So Gears of War Four, yeah, it's a significant game. Sure, people might buy an Xbox for that. They're probably gonna have a special edition Xbox One. They probably already announced it. I don't know. Why would you buy an Xbox if you had a PC that was, was able to play it now? Like you have no choice if you want to play Uncharted. You have to buy a PlayStation Four. They're never gonna sure. put that game on PC. At least they have no intent of doing that because they they're selling these units to play those games. So. I look at their investment from a software perspective is somewhat confusing because their invest. I mean, some of these games like Ark Survival Evolved, like well, that's on other consoles, but like Crackdown Three is a good example, or Halo Wars Two. It's a great example, yeah. although the Halo Wars Two is probably more at home actually on a PC. And State of Decay has already already been on PC. They've been messing around with this for a while, but I look at this and I'm like, okay, so are is Microsoft just become, becoming a prolific investor and publisher of games with a, a a piece of hardware that is optional, or are they trying to publish games in an ecosystem? And does the ecosystem now include PC? And then how does that affect the Xbox One sales? And how does that affect Scorpio? You know, like, in other words, they have so many balls in play now that right. that 
I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Meanwhile, we might not like the power of the PlayStation 4. We might want war out of it. We might be confused with Neo and all those kinds of things. But you know that when... Um, What's a good example? When uh, Horizon Zero Dawn comes out, it's going to be on PlayStation 4 only. They're not going to put the game on PC. It's not happening. The only games that go on PC are some second party games that they do. And they've only been experimenting at that very little. Like Helldivers was an example. It seems like they're starting to fuck around in that space, but not to an extent where like you expect Gears of War 4 is a huge game. You know, crack open this computer, though, and tell me, because I feel like Halo Wars came to PC. It it probably did. Gears of War came to PC in some fashion. Like I, they did, but not day and date. I don't think that's the. That's but maybe the it's just we're finally getting over that. That's a dumb way to do it. I, Wars. I really feel. I feel like if you're so into a platform, you're on that platform. Look at you with like Rise of the Tomb Raider, right? Yeah. So Halo Wars has never been on anything but Xbox 360. Okay. It says Xbox 360 uh, release dates are in 2009. Windows Xbox One TBA. Okay. And then Gears of War. Go three, I guess. See how Gears of War three. One. Only on Xbox 360. Okay. Gears of so that you would have to assume Gears of War 2 is only on Xbox 360 as well. But I feel like I mean they they've yeah only on Xbox 360 and Gears of War one came to PC in 2007. Okay. So the original one was a PC game. Gears of War two and three apparently not on PC according to Wikipedia. Halo Wars one not on PC will is being remastered and will come to PSC and and Xbox one the original one. Um, so I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I want to talk oh, about I this know. simply because there's a weird, there is a fork in the road here. There is Microsoft seems like they have to do way more to make themselves as relevant as Sony is. But by doing that, it seems like they're sacrificing at the altar of the publishing of the games, their own hardware. And they're reiterating and they're iterating with the smaller, quite sexy Xbox one that they're releasing soon. And then the Scorpio in the future, it just seems a little confusing to me. Like, isn't the perceived hardware of the game isn't the perceived value of the hardware of the games it plays and if you have a bunch of games that can be played anywhere because so now literally their entire lineup of games every single game that they publish that they publish is now not exclusive to their console it's like unheard of but you know, I mean, like that's, that's, but we're that's, also, but I mean, we're thinking about it on again this the macro level here, micro level. We're not talking. We're we're talking about Xbox when it is Microsoft. It is Microsoft trying to operate as one, and their competition is the PlayStation, Sony. Like we always talk about it, right? You make the money on the software, so if they're making the money on the software, why do they fucking care? I don't know. I think they care because then why don't they? Why don't they make hardware then? Because I think they still have to. I think that's still there's it's still a revenue driver. There are because then they would lose the entire space they're in right now. However, what is it? It's, what are we saying? Like roughly ball twenty million? What yeah, somewhere it? around there. Twenty million Xboxes have been sold to people like us, but like the mere version of us, mere world Spock, as we'd call them, who like consoles more than PC. Like the PC, we we talk about this all the time. For there's PC gaming should be the one true form of gaming, and we should all just play that. But we all have preferences, and it's a pain in the ass for me, and this works better, and I don't care that the frame rate's lower, and that I, I'm i sitting in my bed playing it and on a giant TV, and I know I could big picture mode it and stream all this. Guy. It, would, it never works for me. So I don't do it. That's not where I go. But there are so many people that do go that way. And then there are the 20 million that are buying an Xbox and playing it there. I mean, I'm interested in it simply because, I mean, from my perspective, and I'm seeing it, again, anecdotally in comments and on tweets and, and whatnot, is that this just removes people's like want to buy an Xbox One, and this removes people's want, at least the people that are tweeting at me, and it removes my want to play an Xbox One because now I'm like, well, I'm gonna play Gears of War Four for sure. I love that game. Now I can play it on PC. My PC, my laptop will probably run it. You know, mm-hmm. like on, on low settings. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't need. I need console style settings. I don't need it on. I bet you would. Sure. 
I mean, this thing but was I bet actually you won't. quite powerful. That's the thing is, I bet you won't. Because you will sit down to do it, and you're going to yell at me to come help you. Fuck, why isn't this controller working? And I'll come in, I don't know. Well, why don't just go play it on the Xbox? And you won't play on Xbox. It's just, I, I think that this is, I just thought it was an interesting, although brief, albeit very brief topic of the show, because they, they're just running in totally opposite directions again. And uh, I really feel like this is Microsoft's, like, not last ditch ever, because they have a lot of money and a lot of prestige, and, and they are doing well, but an effort nonetheless to differentiate themselves and catapult ahead but they're they're injuring their ability to ever sell hardware at a meteoric level anymore like i just so from there they lost already like they lost that battle as long as sony keeps making their games only on playstation 4 and these guys start splitting or whatever they might sell more games but they're not selling hardware and like then are, like what makes gears of war 4 an xbox game yeah but that goes back to the argument you figure of by if we're saying exclusive sell consoles playstation 3 remember that was always our thing where they had remember that one year where they had a great exclusive every month and we're like this will be the year they pulled in front and they didn't they made up ground for sure but those games came out and not many people cared about twisted metal or this that and the other which wasn't a bad game it just wasn't gangbusters starhawk not gangbusters and the granted these a little bit apples and oranges t- talking about gears and starhawk but you don't understand what i'm saying in the way of exclusivity doesn't guarantee anything the PlayStation 4 has gone out and gone crazy, right? With not many amazing exclusives. We're getting there now where they're really starting to hit. You have your Uncharted 4, Bloodborne you want to toss in there. But you know what I mean? Like in terms of that launch lineup we had, the fact that they moved it through two holiday seasons with no, just, hey, we have great third-party games. And yeah, you can play that on Xbox. And lots of those, most of them, I'm not a PC guy. You can play on PC. You get your Assassin's Creed over there. I'll be interested to see how this settles. And yeah. I'll be interested to see how this affects MPD sales of these games. Because MPD is physical console only. I mean, they're physical PC, but no one buys their PC games physically. Yeah. So how that affects that, and then what the, the discrepancy is between the numbers announced by Microsoft and those, and then if they announce the split of those. of those, And then if you see a really interesting split that approaches 50-50, or even two-thirds to one-third, two-thirds Xbox One to one-third PC, you have to assume that they're really cannibalizing their console sales. I really feel like this strategy gives them short-term uh, gains and with the possibility of long-term catastrophe. You know, because... From a hardware manufacturing standpoint, this is what I want to emphasize. Like, they're making a smart move as a publisher. If they were a publisher of games only, then this is a great move. It's a brilliant move. Sure. But they're not a publisher of games only. They're a manufacturer of hardware. You know, and the hardware is important to the to their ecosystem. And now they're they're it seems like they're eroding their own ecosystem. So I wanted to see and, and an interesting Sony's- point, I guess, would to, for, to make, right? Would be the fact that I was like, well, Gears of War and the other game I said, which one? whatever halo look, wars oh, halo. those came to pc right and like we look at no they didn't right but i thought they would have and it never changed my decision to go buy xboxes because i don't want to play that sure. way and it's the same thing with like state of decay state of decay 2 was for sure state of decay was on pc no it was you know what i mean and it was like i never thought man no reason to invest in that i can play it on this even like when it was coming up and it was like when they were touting state of decay one year later survival edition which was the xbox one version right and you're playing it and it's like oh yeah it's running so much better it's well it's running how it was running on pc and we've up res texture i never thought like i'm gonna download original state of decay on my computer and play that again like i'll wait for the console thing hmm. i'll wish we'll be able to sit there and play it the way i want to on a big screen with my couch and my dog well we'll see how it all shakes out we will but i think it's gonna be interesting it's i mean this is a years-long experiment right but we're gonna start know. getting data immediately we're gonna start getting data with recore we're just gonna have to figure out how to interpret the data and we're gonna have a limited amount of it at first probably as well i think when you start to get the gears and and halo wars 2 which are the huge two pops in the fall and then early next year um how they decide to talk about those games and how they do it and how they chart an mpd are gonna tell a huge story because gears of war 4 um should be top three when it comes out yeah but will it now 
and uh, Halo Wars 2 is going to be fucking huge too. So, and it's going to come out at a much friendlier time. You going to be huge? Yeah. Okay. People love Halo Wars. That game had a I, huge, I know a lot of our friends do. I well, Halo Wars, know. from my interpretation of it, Halo Wars had a very long burn. See, it was that, one of those games that seemed like it took years for people to figure out that it was great. And see, that's my thing. And creative think, assemblies making. I don't. It. I think that's and that's the whole problem. I think is that if it's going to come out and it's not going to be juggernaut out the gate, we're you know wrecking shop, moving a million units. I the, think it's going to be another burn thing. The thing is, is uh, the other games on this list, with the exception of Crackdown Three, which you have to assume will crack the list. Um, Recore the looks super budget. Um, I didn't even know Phantom Dust was in development anymore. Forza obviously would do fine. All these other games, exception of Scalebound, which I think is going to underwhelm people, are are uh, digital. So we're going to see. We'll see if these might probably be retail as well. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Colin, mm. time for reader mail. Actually, no, it's trophy time, isn't yeah. it? I skipped one there. You got trophy stuff for me this week? Yeah, there are some trophies. So I w- I go over to PSM profiles and look here. Where's my as mouse? you do? There it is. Um, mouse is broken. Let's do this. What's wrong? Can you? What's nope, wrong mouse with the mouse? Is off again. I'm gonna order a new one. Okay. I've been really struggling with this mouse for months now, and I literally cost like six dollars. I just like to get my bang for my buck. You I know? noticed. Yeah. All right. So there's a few here. Uh, Mutant Mud Super Challenge is up. Uh, Lossy Fury, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Let's talk about those four games. By the way, just to to give people information on trophies of games we are playing, Adventures of Mana has a very achievable platinum trophy, but you have to. Uh, get to level 99 and upgrade all four attributes to 99 as well. A lot of the other trophies are not missable. There's something like 28 story-driven trophies. Mm. Um, you get one for every boss you beat, and there are a lot of bosses in the game. And the uh, there are missable trophies, though, uh, for gear. So gear. I think over at psntrophies.org or something, or playstationtrophies.org, uh, they, someone put a list up. I actually just wrote it by hand on a piece of paper, like all the weapons, all the armor, all that kind of stuff, and I've been crossing off as I go, because nice. there's trophies for each of those as well. Nice. And you can't miss some of them. So you're going to play in this game? Well, maybe. I mean, I'd like to, but, okay. you know. Things get in the way. Uh, so Mutant Muds, Super Challenge. I'm a huge Mutant Muds fan. I like Mutant Muds a lot. It's great on Vita. Is this the third? This is the third one, but the second one, I think, on PlayStation platforms. Okay. Um, so there are uh, seven bronze, four silver, and one gold. Um, the gold trophy is to beat the game with less than 100 deaths. Deaths. It should be fewer than 100 deaths, by the way. In a week. Um... And then the, the four silvers are beat the final boss without getting hit, beat a level with no gems, beat the game, and collect all the characters. And then there are bronzes for collecting all the songs, beat a level with checkpoints disabled, etc., etc. I think these games are quite addictive. They're straightforward, um, made by a buddy of mine, um, and uh, uh, Renegade Kid is the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you excited? I'm excited. I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm excited. Okay. Uh, Lost Sea. 34 bronze, 9 silver, 3 gold, and a platinum. Uh, it seems like the trophies are pretty scattered here. Um, so, like, complete the game without using any items is a silver. Complete the game without unlocking any player skills or ship upgrades is a gold trophy. So, it sounds like that would be pretty difficult. What some of these trophies suggest to me, and I don't know if you have any insight into this, um, because there's a bunch of them for, like, completing different zones that you use, Swamp Zone, Desert Zone, etc. But I, what I'm interested in is is how long does it take to beat the game? Yeah, I don't have it. I'm only in that first area running around, get this guy, help that guy. You know, you basically get quests, then run around this little map, making them happen. It sounds interesting. Is, is it like a real-time strategy game? No, it's like um, action. A, you have a, you you start with a machete. And you're just cutting stuff down, running mm-hmm. around. Order a crew member with the carpenter ability to repair a bridge. Order a crew member with the miner ability to excavate a dig spot. Just sounds like something you would be like, like clicking around them. Sure, I, I think it's just that you look at them and tell them to go do that. Fury's trophies: twenty bronze, eight silver, five gold, and a platinum. Um, so you have all the the bosses. Defeat the chain, the strap, the line, the scale, the hand, the song, the burst, the edge, the beat. It sounds like Metal Gear Solid yeah. 3 bosses. Um, 
And then you have a bunch of trophies for A ranks and S ranks and completing the game in different t- difficulty levels, etc. and so on. And then certain techniques to use in which you beat the game um, or different guardians or whatever, which are the bosses. Um, and then uh, two silver trophies that sound like a pain in the ass. Beat Fury's designer's best speed run time, two hours, 12 minutes, 42 seconds. Beat Fury's combat designer's best speed run time, one hour, 29 minutes and 56 seconds. Silver trophies for those. But they all build to that plan. The S ranks are the gold trophies. And finally, Romance of the Three Kingdoms 13 has 26 bronze, 14 silver, 2 gold, and the uh, platinum. So a bunch of trophies for a, comp- or a handful of trophies for completing different scenarios. Um, creating a bond for the first time sounds sexual. Yeah, but it probably isn't. Uh, induced another officer into the respect state for the first time. Or that the interest state, or the gratitude state, or the charm state. Etc. Et These games are so fucking nerdy. <laughs> but in a good way. I almost want to play it. Um, so those are all the trophies. Not too much popping because there's just not too much coming out right now. Sure. Now, Colin, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Good to see you again. Remember, if you want to be part of the show, head over to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, the cues for questions. You can go there, post your question, just like CM14 did and says, hey, Colin and Greg, not really a question, but how good is the Vita content at the moment? Grand Kingdom is excellent, really impressing me. Odin Sphere is my first time playing it, and it's very good. Enjoying it. Zero Escape 3 is out today, and I can't wait for the final part of the great series. Parentheses, would love to hear what you guys think of it. Oh, an Adventure of Man, a stealth release today. Square actually gave us it. Members of Vita Island, buy this game. All I'll be playing till I am Setsuna is on my Vita. Thanks, guys. Sorry, it's a bit long. Connor from Liverpool. Don't hold your breath for that one. Uh... Although, like I said, it's possible. Yeah. Um, Vita's doing great right now. Which and, is crazy. Yeah. And Everyone wants to say it's dead, but here we are playing all these goddamn awesome Vita games. There was a NeoGAF thread with, and I didn't read it too deeply, but there was a NeoGAF thread with the name of something like Vita's attach rate must be insane. And I think that, that it's clear that it's, uh, I'd really love to get Sony on the record about what the attach rate is. My prediction is the Vita attach rate is somewhere in the 20s. Like wow. that's like that's how significant I think the Vita attach rate has to and be. And for some of our younger I think it listeners, was, an attach rate would be you own a Vita, how many games you own for it that right. you go and buy. Like because if there are only 12, 13, maybe 14 million Vitas in the world, these guys keep releasing games. I just refuse to believe that Exceed and Axis and NIS and all these guys are just doing it for shits and giggles. Like they're they're selling these games. Right. And um I just feel like I remember the I think Sony did announce the attach rate of Vita years ago something like 8 or 10. So it doesn't seem to me to be above the above and be. I mean, I have like 200 games on Vita, more than that probably. Yeah. So I mean, we're obviously like way out skewing, and we didn't pay for most of those games to be fair. But you know, to me, it's it's uh, it's a remarkable handheld. We've talked about it so much that I don't feel like we need to say much more about it. I do think that it's in a bit of a renaissance right now, and I, but I think that the, the thing is, is that like I think um, Axis, I think it was Axis announced that they're like they're releasing Tokyo Xanadu, whatever the fuck that game is, that's like really popular over there right now in 2017 on Vita. Like the Vita game, so like. They're just coming out. Right. That's what we always talk about. And we, I mean, again, not to beat the dead horse on it, but the fact that this is what Vita is. And if you're into these kind of games, if you're into Galgun, this is what we're going to be getting. And it's going to be there for you and you're going to be great. I have another Vita oh. question to roll into. Yeah, please. Omega Beam says, hey, Greg and Colin, I hope all is well. It is. I really, I recently went on a trip and as usual packed my Vita for the plane in downtime in the airport and hotel. While I usually have a few newly purchased games downloaded to play, I usually end up going back to the same PlayStation Plus games over and over again like Ali Ali 2. Do you guys have a few games you find yourself going back to again and again? Or is it all about new stuff? Thanks and hello from the heart of Microsoft. No, I don't uh, go back to old games often, although I have games that I just look at over and over again that I should play, but like don't. Persona. Like Persona, like I never beat Axiom Verge, like I never, 
Uh, I mean, there's just the games on there. I'm like, there's stuff I leave on my Vita. Yeah. Like, I'm like, one day in a perfect world, I'm gonna get back to this, but I never do. It's always tumbling forward because there is some. Every time we get there's on, so many games. Every time Vita, we get on the plane, there is two new games. There aren't two new games I want to sit there and play. There, you know, Mana or Odin Sphere right now or whatever. There are so many Vita games. That was another thing people were talking about. I was like, there's something like more than twice as many Vita games as there are 3DS games. Like With the vast library. Oh, the vast library is very impressive. Uh, so vast, so impressive. Yeah, yeah, so many. Things um, it, they're just they're actually like it's it's like it's a fucking wealth of, of it's just a wealth of games there. You yeah, know? it's like an embarrassment of riches, and that's what I why well, I think you and I always get mad when people ask if they should oh, buy a Vita it. now, and it's I like, well, it. yeah, you should because there's a giant library. Have you looked through the games? Are there games you want to play? Do you want to play Danganronpa? Do you want to play Persona? Do you want to go there, out there are and play like Uncharted? scores and scores of games on Vita that are great. I mean, that, that's the thing is like I like if I really sat down and went through my download list and I was like. And someone was like, what games would you really recommend I played? I could probably find you like $500 plus worth of games. Oh, sure. Like pretty easily. Yeah. You know, probably more than that. So I could probably buy, I could probably find you 60 or 80 games that I'm like, yeah, these are great Vita games. Like, or maybe 50, you know, great, great Vita games. Like I just, it is frustrating when people are say that. And it's frustrating when people don't understand the perceived value of it. It actually becomes more valuable the longer it's out. That's the way hardware works. The Wii U is never going to get more valuable than it is right now. Ironically. <laughs> yeah. I had a dream in the last few days about a Wii U, you just reminded me of it, that we needed a Wii U for something, and it was suddenly harder to get come by. Kindling? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Trap Door Spider. Wrote in kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, just like you can to go on the show, and says, yo! Mm. So I just want to start by saying mad props to all the work Kind of Funny has done these last few months. It's been incredible. I have a task for you, mm. if you're up to it. Mm. I want you to build your own video game company. Take one attribute from whatever company you want. What do you think would make the best video game studio? You're only allowed to pick one attribute from each studio, so choose wisely. He gives us now four attributes to assign the studio to. You understanding? I think so. You with me so far? Yeah. So he has one, he wants technical, parentheses, graphics, and how their games run slash feel. Hashtag gameplay is king. So gameplay. How is it going to be? What's it look like? Storytelling, sound and audio, and then entertainment. Parentheses, whose games are fun as shit? Even if they don't have everything else. Rocket League is my example, he says. Not what I said. That's what he says. I look forward to hearing both of your answers as I may learn something about a studio I never looked at before. P.S. The work you guys put out is astounding. Try not to work too hard because I love you. Sincerely, Trapdoor Trapdoor Spider. So, I'll go first because I had time to think about it, all right? Technical, graphics, how the games run feel. I'm going with Naughty Dog. I had, I, I had, I had people on here. I had Housemark on here on the short list. I had Sucker Punch here on the short list. But since I can only use everybody once, I put Naughty Dog here. Then I went storytelling. I went with Fulbright. You know, I'm a big Gone Home fan. Really looking forward to Tacoma. They do different things. Mm. I'd love to see what kind of story they could do Mm. with Naughty Dog's technical prowess Mm. and gameplay. Sound audio, Sucker Punch. Mm. Oh, from Second Son, you like that Second Son, man, when they gave us that tour and they walked us through the world and like... This is how water. This is how the rain in Seattle sounds when it hits a canvas umbrella. This is how it sounds when it hits these trees. This is how like it's some. I think sound and audio so often is overlooked. You just you if it's good, it's great. You don't it's, you don't ever think about it. If it's bad, if it's bad VO or something, you think about it nonstop. But when they walked me through that and pulled out everything else in the game and just showed you and showed how they captured all that and how they did you know lines of dialogue and stuff, I was like, okay, awesome. You can get on that. Mm. And I'm underutilizing sucker mm. punch there, but I'm doing it. I don't care. And then entertainment, whose games are fun as shit, even if they don't have anything else. Weird question, but I put Insomniac. Mm. Insomniac makes fun games. Can't argue that, Colin. 
No, you can't. I'm going to make a, a, so I would answer this question a million different ways depending on the game I'm making. Sure. And so the game I'm going to make is a first person shooter. Okay. I like where your head's at. Um, so for technical, I'm going to go with id. Ooh, okay. Uh, for storytelling, I'm going to go with machine games. Uh, what's the next one? Sound. Yeah. I think for sound and entertainment, I would both go with Treyarch. Oh. Um, so you would have uh, a game with id's fluidity, a game with machine game storytelling and a game with the gunplay and entertainment value and just gameplay of a Treyarch game. Sure. And you would have a fucking mighty fine shooter on your hands. See what I, and I like, so the, that's, so that's, but it would be different depending on the game I'm making. The, and that's yeah. what I, I like what you're, I like where you, how you took the question. You wanted to apply a genre to it. I like the, for me, it was very much like pick my favorite people for each one of them and then lock them away in a room and have them make a game and see what it comes out as mm-hmm. and have no real idea what it would actually end up being. I just believe in the power of the first of the story driven 20 hour first person shooter. I really sure. do. I love the I love that. And um, so I think that that amalgamation of studios would make that game for me in a very exciting kind of way. But if I was making, you know, something else, I would throw Housemark into the mix. Obviously, Naughty sure. Dog, obviously uh, a bunch of other people. But, you know, like what does Housemark contribute to a shooter? What is what exactly. does Naughty Dog contribute exactly. to a first person shooter? Colin, let's run with this insomniac theme. Okay. Caleb for Tribe says. Hey, Colin and Greg, Mm. I have a few questions regarding Insomniac's upcoming Spider-Man. Number one, when do you think it'll be released? Spring 2018. Damn it, that's what I wrote down to. Two, does it strike you as odd they haven't announced the actual name for it? No. I I say, honestly, yes. I think it's it's not something you see often. So it was a weird thing to come out and be like, hashtag Spider-Man PS4. I think the game's super embryonic. I don't think I do too, but I still think they have a a name or a working title for it. I think it's going to be called Spider-Man. You'd imagine so, but if the fact that there isn't would make me think there is a subtitle now or whatever. Maybe Spider-Man. The Shocker. Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. That's what it's going to be called. (laughs) And then three, why is it a PlayStation 4 exclusive? Marvel fans are everywhere, so why is it that it's only releasing on a Sony console. Sony's relationship with its pictures division, you have to assume, right? I I, I don't, honestly. Because I, I think this is so separated from it. I think it's, we. I know I say this all the time, I think it's Marvel making the right moves going forward. I think I what this screams to me is, don't be surprised when there's an exclusive Xbox, whatever Marvel property. Don't be surprised when it's all of a sudden you find Marvel in bed with the best people. I'm sure that Marvel started conversations with a whole bunch of studios and were like, come pitch us your game and how you'd want to do it and da da da. And at the same time, is having conversations with publishers and how that's going to shake out and where it's going to go. Um, again, I find that super exciting. Like, I understand that I'm, I'm in a blessed place and I own a Xbox One and PlayStation 4. And if I needed to, God forbid it, a fucking PC. But. It's super exciting to see Marvel not treat their properties like fucking horrors and just turn them out and put them out. And I don't care if the game's not good. I'd much rather see them say, we want it to be on the level of Batman. We want it to be on the level of what you see with uh, Uncharted. We want to see someone sit down and focus. It's whenever you have these games that are third party and you spread them all out and it's like, one one version of the game is holding another version back in some way here it is you have a playstation 4 you have spider-man make the best game possible yeah i still think it is weird it is weird though like it is weird because they could have just found a publisher and went to insomniac and made a multi-platform game there's there i do think there is more to this than meets the eye i really do what you think it's money or you think it's it could be money but i really do think it has something to do with their relationship with that studio Mm. like i i just with the movie studio yeah like i just don't I don't see it any other way. Like I, I don't, there must be some semantic reason. Insomniac could still make that game. Insomniac makes Xbox one games. Sure. No, I'm not saying that. I so just I, think like, it would be the thing though. Like, it, you know, when you start, I guess that's a bad example. Actually, I feel like when we talk about the best games on a console, you start talking about exclusives. Of course. And the exclusives are the best. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that Sony's getting an, ex- an exclusive. Sure. Spider-Man game. That's fine. I don't care, but it's, it's, and I'm going to play it. It's probably gonna be great, but and I like Spider-Man, but I um, like shocker a lot too. <laughs> 
I love Shock, right? And I really do want to, if he's in and I'm not playing, I'm going to be very disappointed. I'll do the mocap and everything. It'll be great. Um, Show me your mocap test run. There it is. There it is. So, he's shocking you. Um, but I feel like there's way more to the meets the eye with this. Why do they need Sony as a publisher? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're, so I think that it's Insomniac's relationship with Sony and Sony's relationship with that movie studio and Sony's relationship in turn with Marvel. The problem. The there's pro- just more webs th- here than meets the eye, Greg. <laughs> I ran right into that. I just get it, it, but I mean, it's not a movie-based game. So, what is in the contract for Sony Pictures and all this different stuff? Mm-hmm. I hear you. It, it, there's, it would it's make just sense relationships. These people synergy-wise. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, but then again, Sony Pictures doesn't have anything to do with PlayStation. But maybe those relationships were made. The introductions were made. Kaz is around there making. Sony it went to Insomniac. We're like, these guys can make the game. They made a game that has some slinging around and some fucking. Sprit, getting yeah, around all over the goddamn place, doing everything you did in Sunset Overdrive, basically. Yeah, you you rail grinded and you shot things and you drank soda. Uh, XX Foles XX says, "Hey, Colin. Hey, Greg. Hi. With Rise of the Tomb Raider coming out on PS4 later this year, right? And the rumored Dead Rising 4 releasing a year later on PS4. Do you two feel it is good to support the game when it releases on PlayStation to show what a mistake they made releasing it on Xbox, or?" Should we boycott it to show the developer slash publisher that it isn't cool siding on a certain platform and holding a game off for another? No, that's silly. Yeah. These are these are business decisions. I think you have to make the my take is you have to make the decision based on what you want to play. You know, if you want to play Rise of the Tomb Raider, I'm going to play Rise of the Tomb Raider on PS4. I intentionally held off to play it on PS4. Um, I'm not ashamed of that. I, I can wait. There are other games to play, um, but I'm excited to play it on PS4. So if you want to play it, buy it. Send the message that you don't want to boycott it because then it's like. That hurts Crystal and like they didn't do anything wrong and like it's Square Enix's kind of like decision but you have to make the decisions that are best for you for the reasons that you think are best and so if you want to boycott it to send them a message by all means do that but I, I think that's a silly thing. The fact that we're getting Tomb Raider and Dead Rising at all or, or what well, we think we're getting Dead Rising and it hasn't sure, been confirmed sure. um, it's just indicative of the environment that we're in right now the second party exclusive environment it, this, these deals clearly work for Microsoft they work in their advantage they did the same thing with Mass Effect. Yeah I don't I think boycotting silly I mean you, I think what you do is you not in the dick way, but you publicly say, hey, this sucks. I really wanted to play this, so on and so forth. And then when it comes around, you do support them. They're just trying to make a living. They're trying to make the business go. They're trying to pay for all these developers, all these office spaces, all this technology. Like, There's so many things happening that it's not as easy as where we're like, why not just release it at once to everyone? Like, There's deals to be had. And like, the, like the, why we don't know what's happening with the Spider-Man deal. Something hap- happened there, and I don't know what exactly it is or how, but either way, you should support them. Yeah. Well, do what you want. I mean, but you know, I wouldn't, I'd say that's a silly reason to boycott someone. The next question comes from Killian underscore 1996. Mm. But before I read it, I mm. will give you all a spoiler warning. This will talk about gone home and the last of us. Oh, come on. These games are old. I'm aware, but everybody, everybody out there, there's always some baby listening to it. that freaks out. And so whatever. like, don't even get me started. Some kid was giving me shit. The last of us. We talked about the other day. I'm like, dude, Came up before the PS4. That's on you, Come dude. On, That's on you. If you re- just to be, just to iterate, it's cool. It's fine to not play a game for years. But if you care that much about The Last of Us, then why are you waiting over three years to play? Over three years. Yeah. No, I'm with you. That's on you at this point. Yeah. I'm sorry that you just started Last of Us, or now that Gone Home just came out, you just started Gone Home. But we're about to get into both those. So Killian, 1996 says hello, Greg and Colin. I guess you could say this is a topic to celebrate Pride Month, like the question about black characters in games during Black History Month. Mm. My question is in two parts. Mm. Question one, mm. who's your favorite gay character in games? Mine would total, my, mine would be Tiny Tina from Borderlands 2. She's just so damn funny and is, also fu- um, and is also, fun fact, the youngest openly gay character in any game at 13 years old. Question two, with a lot of talk. Is that true? I don't know. 
I mean, he's saying it. Okay. Killian's saying it. I believe Killian. <laughs> Question two. With a lot of, and that's the thing, because like in, in, for me in Borderlands, when I think of the, the gay characters, I think of uh, Athena, the shield woman, and the mechanic whose name escapes me. They were a cute couple. Question two. With a lot of talk about The Last of Us 2 happening and Ellie being the protagonist, it would mark the first time in a game that there would be an openly gay protagonist in a AAA game, not counting Mass Effect or any game like that because you can choose not to be gay. My question is, would Sony let that happen? What I mean is, would they allow Naughty Dog to show Ellie being affectionate with another girl? I know that the Left Behind DLC that... El- that Ellie, I know that in the Left Behind DLC that Ellie and Riley kissed, but that was a moment in the, in a DLC. I'm talking about a full Uncharted 4 budget game with Ellie as the main protagonist and maybe her girlfriend being a secondary character like what Ellie was to Joel in The Last of Us. Would Sony tell them to tone it down or something like that if it ran the impact a risk of impacting game sales or it being banned in some countries or could Naughty Dog get away with it? Thanks and greetings from Ireland. Naughty Dog can get away with it wherever they want. Naughty Dog could totally do a full on lesbian sex in their game. Sony, Shuhei would be like, you're a Naughty Dog, whatever. Because you know it'd be tasteful and it wouldn't be weird. Yeah, I, I so he, this this question reminds me of the time when the guy wrote in and said, who's your favorite black characters in yeah. games? And I'm like, I was racking my brain. I'm like, I can only even think of a few. And, and, this, and, and it's the same and it's the same thing with this where I'm like, you just named two games of the only really openly gay protagonist I can even sure. think of. Like, I, I don't even know. Like, I would have never even thought of Borderlands as anyone. Like, so yeah. it goes to show me how, first of all, my answer would be Ellie. But second of all, it goes to my show. My answer Sam. It would, it would, it would, got him. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it would go to show, it goes to show how, for how we take for granted that these very homogenous experiences that we actually experience in a, in a, in a day-to-day basis in games and how, um, uh, homosexuality or minority representation or whatever is, is so like you remember those scenes, but you also realize how underrepresented it is where I'm like, I'm thinking of the last 50 games I played. Right. I'm like, I don't even know that that's there's the a thing fucking is like, black character in any of these games. And that's the thing of like, you know, how hard it is for, I think, <laughs> us to step out of, uh, you know, or why, one of the reasons why I gone home meant so much to me was literally being in that scenario, being in somebody's shoes, reading, uh, Sam's letters or whatever, as we went through. Um, and that's the thing where I like, since I never have to step out of my, doofy whatever 18 to 35 year old white guy mode i never stopped to think of like man there aren't a lot of gays and like and like his question's interesting uh you know like would sony allow it? totally sony would allow it but it's interesting too i was thinking about it when i when i read the question like how when are we going to see main character of a, a a male who's openly gay and then has like a, a lover in the game or whatever. Cause I feel like again, mass effect doesn't count because of the way you get to play it. But I feel like if they're, if you're playing a game and you were a gay man and you were to k- kiss another guy, there would be an, an uproar about that of people. Like, Cause so, are we skew so young in this video game industry? Right. Whereas I feel like, and I'm correct me if I'm wrong for sure on in the comments or anything else. I feel like you could get away with Ellie kissing another girl and not have the reaction be as strong. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think I, I, young boys, teenage boys see two dudes kiss. And it's like, ah, oh, gross. And but, you see two girls kiss and there's a little, something a little hot about it or whatever. But I also think it's the type of people that are playing these games. Sure. I think Naughty Dog gamers and people that play Naughty Dog games for the story. I think, and especially the last of us, I think are a little maybe more mature. You'd like to think um, so. Yeah. And gone home. Certainly. So of course, um, but that's why I'm talking about a triple A big budget, you know, uh, Killian's question stands. And I want to say quickly that I am sure that there are plenty of examples of gay characters in games I've played. I just 100%. This is the thing I'm talking about is I just I'm not thinking about it through that perspective yet. I remember not so much the last of us, but I remember gone home because uh, I mean, I remember the last of us, but I, mean, I, want to say, I remember I remember gone home. <laughs> Gave it a 10 because, 
of the unique perspective that it gave me. And that's why I like that game. Right. Um, now, I've always said that I'm not for diversity for diversity's sake. I don't believe in it. I think that creators need to create whatever they want. And Steve Gaynor made a game about lesbian girls. And I thought that that was very interesting. Um, so I don't think we necessarily need more or less of this and more and less of this. Like, I don't I don't care. But I do want as someone who enjoys fiction and enjoys the breadth of storytelling, I do like that. You know, I remember those games for those reasons. It's the same reason why I remember Journey because it was about life and death. It's yep. the same reason I remember um, the Unfinished Swan because it's about a, a, a son and a mom. It's yep. like like there sometimes they're just special relationships. When you when a that game worth can, exploring, when a game can put you in someone's shoes, right, and make you feel things that aren't the emotions you're experiencing on a day to day basis, that's when it gets really exciting and that's why i talk about gone home all the time and that's yeah unfinished swan's another great example journey's a great example uh last of us is a great example but then when you start thinking about vr that's where it gets super exciting of like being in a different world and you there is no more i'm looking at my phone i'm getting distracted by portillo i'm here the car going by i have headphones on i'm this and i am that person i am that thing i am in that world but i do like to the last of us example of me saying that i don't remember for those reasons it's funny because ellie being a lesbian means nothing to me to that story it means yeah. nothing sure like like so in gone home it means everything though the, the, that girl's gay sam's gay it means everything in that game but ellie being gay means nothing so that's why i don't remember like i remember the last of us for joel i don't know what ellie's relationship exactly that's why i remember the emotional perspective of me not wanting a daughter or whatever but then suddenly caring so much about right. ellie that's what i'm saying the big shit storm in games is going to happen when there is a a or triple a game where you play as a transgender person mm. that's going to be the litmus test of how far or not how far we've come or how how little i guess I should how say. far do you think we are from more, that game though uh i feel like i that's feel like i feel like decades. a game like that is not even in development because i feel like i feel like they're, they're, and, and that's wrong but i feel like that there are developers out there that want to make these games big developers probably and their publishers are like there's no way we're making that game like i like, mean that's, like because they're not they're gonna have all these problems but whoever whoever is the tip of the spear of that movement to make a great game with a transgendered um protagonist or antagonist yeah or both uh i think is going to do us a great service to give us perspective into that as we've gained perspective from sam and ellie and however limited and however fictional it might be sure into the female gay or like lesbian perspective i think that's great so no, like, 100%. so i love that kind of stuff but i don't like the whole idea of like well now we need more of this and more of this and more of this i'm like just let them create well, no that's eventually we're gonna have this great ecosystem of all sorts of you want stories. artists creating stuff that hits home mm -hmm. with them and that's why the indie space is always so interesting and always so exciting because that's where those kind of game that's where you can get coming out simulator right and play through it i remember playing that game be like oh my god like all these choices are terrible as i'm putting this out and it's based on this man's life of having to do this and what his family said to him and all these horrible things and it's like that you know is just such a simple game did you ever, did you ever play this no it's on a p it's on pc it's basically like text bubbles and like you get a little bit of not animated cutscenes, but like you know doodles of things happening and playing that put me in that same mindset of like on home uh cybell which i always talk about or sybil i think i always say it wrong too uh that game of you know falling in love in an mmo if it's named sybil they should have probably called it that and not spelled it c-y-b-e-l-l-e -L -L -E or whatever yeah, you can take it up with her you know what i mean it's confusing for me that doesn't say simple okay i know that's this we got a one of the names coming up we're gonna talk about a little bit about what what it actually means when you put fucking letters together but that's the whole thing of going into a different perspective of falling in love in an online game and then deciding oh emily is away another great example right of like playing with all your emotions doing all these things and i love that that's happening in the indie space but i am excited for that to come over and again not be the crux of the game that hey 
I'm, I'm a gay guy in a triple A game and I have a boyfriend deal with it internet or, or that I'm transgender but that is just is a thing there is that character that's who they are I, I feel like we just have to keep in mind as, as consumers of fiction or consumers of stories that often perspective of real life events can be garnered not only from your individual real life um, experiences but also from fiction so like I, I've talked about it in other podcasts like when I moved to San Francisco I lived I was the only straight guy in my entire house or I lived with all these gay guys and um, I had no problem with homosexuality at all when I was in college or yeah. younger. I was like that's fine my sister's best friend actually was gay so I grew up with the, that but living in that house gave me incredible perspective into their experiences a couple of them um, one in particular that I was really good friends with actually had HIV and that gave me a lot of perspective and all these kinds of things so you got I got that from a real life perspective that gave me a lot uh, opened my eyes to the struggle of the gay man 100%. even in San Francisco but you can also get perspective in the plight of I, I, I know a lot of black people for instance right growing up, in, growing up in New York but actually it's when you read Malcolm X or King or something like that or you listen to the speeches of it's like well I didn't I wasn't in I wasn't there in 64 right but like I understand because I read King and he gave me a perspective that that I needed or whatever yeah and so I think that games can have that same narrative 100%. power to say like well this is a this is a piece of fiction but um, uh, Life is Strange gave you some sort of perspective even though it's like kind of a silly sci-fi that kind of thing in in terms of a teenage girl or in terms of the g- girl going to college wherever she was or in no, high school no, no. You're 100 percent correct. That's you're nailing it in terms of why it works. I, you know, I, I've told the story a million times in Game Over Greggy of how I went to college and it was totally fine to say if something was stupid, I'd call it gay and like not think about like how I would offend it because I didn't know any openly gay people. So no one ever challenged you on it. And the first time I got challenged on it by my friend Graham, who I'd known for weeks at this point. Like, but what do you really mean? And dialing it back, he's like, do you understand why that would be? I don't I know you're cool, but it's like, oh, right. Like, why would I do that? So when you can relate to when you can connect on an emotional level with a Sam or a Lonnie or whoever and see that struggle and see or read how the parents react and all these different things. That's when your own walls can fall down and you can soften and realize maybe I don't have it all figured out. Yeah. And I think that that's why you and that's why you get multiple perspectives the, with the black experience in America. You get them much more radical Malcolm X experience or perspective. And you get them much more. I don't want to say tepid, but more mainstream friendlier Martin Luther Peace. King Jr. Yeah, yeah. message, but they're both equally important in terms of like understanding the perspective. Yeah, and gain, if a book can, and there's a nonfiction books, but if a book can have that perspective, or if my experience in that house can have this perspective, then why can't a game have that perspective? And exactly. why can't that game also have that instructive nature? Yeah. So that's so that's why that's why I like these different kinds of experiences. It has nothing to do with um like that's why I think even Horizons like interesting because it's you're playing as a woman like and she's an empowered like. You know, woman, it's not that I need that in everything. It's not that I even need that in, in uh, some things that I do. I just like that perspective because I play as the homogenous male, white male and everything. And that's fine, too. There's nothing wrong with that. I am a white male. I have an I have perspective, too. I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying none of us do. But I'm saying, uh, like, you know, there's much to gain out there from I mean, that's the big of, thing. Of yeah, perspectives. And that's the thing of uh, like you brought up Life is Strange, uh, Gone Home, uh, even Left Behind. It is an experience of if I would have played that in high school would I have put it together quicker that wait a second why am I why would I say this and why would I do that not that I know this person but I know the fake person I've lived uh, you know a day in their shoes or whatever different experience Colin mm. top boog wrote in to kind of slash PSQ and says hey guys 
I was wondering about what your final opinions are on alienation. It seems to me that it came and went without many people caring for it. Mm. I know that there were technical issues at launch, but those aside, what else put you off the game? Also, where would you rank it compared to the other Housemark titles? Thank you for everything you do, Rory. P.S. I love you as well as my Vita. I feel like so... I played Alienation for 10 or 15 hours, which is really not a lot of time for me to have played a Housemark game. House game. By the way, tangentially speaking, a Housemark, Super Stardust is apparently coming to PSVR. Just throwing that out there. Now, um, how do we figure that out? There was like some listing some weeks ago. I nice. can't remember. Um, so unconfirmed, I think, but you know, someone will write in. The Lock it in. Um, so I played it and I like it. There's I a narrative angle there that's not in the other games. I will say that I think Dead Nation's a better game. Really? I think it's tighter. I think it's easier to digest. See, I think I think Housemark fell for the trick of scope. Um, like dropping but I don't necessarily believe that that means substance. Like, I remember playing Dead Nation over and over and over and over again. I fucking loved that game. Yeah. And um i know you didn't you weren't you liked it but you yeah. didn't I, I think that's a fantastic game like like up there with stardust and just below resogun alienation to me was like okay this is cool but it's a little empty it's a little too deep for a house mark game like and i know that that's a weird it's the same complaint people get mad at me when i say witcher 3 is too dense well with house mark i'm like i need something that's a little more that's about the hook it's not about the progression it's actually about the hook you know stardust is not about anything other than multiplying scores and so is resogun it's not about upgrading your ship and doing all this kind of shit. And so, like, I was too caught in the weeds with with Alienation. So when I was, I was playing it, I'm like, I'm not worrying about the things that really matter to me. It's a great game. Mm-hmm. It's nothing short of a great game. Um, and I think people are really liking it. I don't think any. I don't think it came away without anybody caring for it. A lot of people play it. I don't think. I don't think it gets talked about like all the other ones did. But I think it came out at a weird time. I don't think Sony got behind it in the same way it got behind Resogun. Resogun was a launch game, by the way. So so, and Stardust was like a phenomenon. Yeah. You know. Um. So I think that they have to go back to the drawing board and it makes me interesting to see what Matterfall is and how how Matterfall might. We don't even really know what that game is yet. I have an idea of what it is, but um, and how that might be affected by alienation. Because I think alienation went too broad and see, I think that's a problem. The biggest, the like sad irony to all of this with alienation, because I'm the technical problem. You're the technical problem. We have too many friends as always. So it just crashes and you can't connect online. And it doesn't work and it erases your save and corrupts your save. So I stopped playing it after restarting oh, yeah, like three or four if, if, times. If it corrupted my save, I'd be like, fuck this. I never played again. And the problem is I feel like Alienation could have been my favorite of the Housemark titles because I liked all that. I did like the progression. I liked leveling. I liked feeling like what I was doing mattered permanently. Whereas like Dead Nation, I always felt like it mattered for that run of the game and then it was over and I was back to square one kind of thing. And, I, and Resogun is exact, the exact same thing, right? Of going through, I got a new ship or whatever, but it's not. I like I like to feel like I'm making an impact and I, I'm building something up and it had all the hooks that I loved about Helldivers, another game that ate my save and fucked up and corrupted on me three times where it was like I liked the gameplay more than I, in Alienation more than I liked it in Helldivers and I was prepared to commit a lot of time to Alienation and then it all went to hell. Yeah, that sucks that that happened to you with those two games because those two games, Helldivers especially, was I think stronger uh, than Alienation in the ways that I wanted it. The, see, with all of those upgrades and all that kind of sh- shit, it made sense in their game, in in, in Arrowhead's game. Yeah. It doesn't make too much sense to me in, in Housemark's that game. That makes sense, because there was the hub world, the Helldivers, you came back to, you got to re-equip your cape and do all these Like, there things. were things in Housemark, I remember even tweeting out, being like, I don't even understand what half this shit is. Like, yeah. I don't even, like, when did it even tell me what any of this stuff is? Like, why am I resetting my, like, statistics on my web? I'm like, this isn't fun. You know, like, yeah. that, the game's fun, but that particular thing, I'm like, this is dumb. Like, I don't like this. I think it might have felt a little empty because I played it by myself, but 
I played Dead Nation by myself too, and that game was designed, and I beat that game on hard difficulties by myself, and that's yeah. like almost fucking impossible. So, and I love the DLC with Dead Nation. Like Dead Nation had me coming back. Um, Alienation, there's just something missing for for me. I did intend on playing it longer than I did. I can't believe that I played it for less time, but I think that's a reflection on the game. Like when I really think about like so Super Stardust HD, Super Stardust Delta. It's fucking awesome. One of Vita's great games. You want to talk about a game you have to have get on Vita? That game's fucking rad. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Stardust Ultra is not really their game. Dead Nation, fantastic. Outland, which they made with Ubisoft, fucking awesome, and a totally different kind of game. Yeah, for them, uh, but really, really great game. Kind of like Ikaruga meets platforming. Uh, and then Resogun, which is a phenomenal game. And then this, and I'm like, hmm. Like the parabola goes down now a little bit. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see where, where, I mean, but Resogun is such a hard game to follow up. See, you look for different things than I do in, in Resogun, in, um, in Housemark games. Cause 100%. to me, it's all about the score. Like that's all that matters in those games is like it, the old style, like the, the Resogun's Defender. Yeah, no, totally. You know? They're all awesome arcade games. I totally get that. And that's why I've, I, Housemark for me has always been, you love them to death. Love, I love the guys. Everybody we've ever met, great. I respect the games. They're just not my type of games for the most part, right? Like, Resogun is a game that I... And Super Stardust is another game that I played for a few hours. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, not everything needs role-playing game elements. Not everything needs leveling. Not everything needs all that kind of stuff. Dead Nation kept it really limited with, here are your weapons, here are your upgrades, here is, like, your armor, and that's it, you know? And you can kind of spend your money how you want and stuff, and it was still about score chasing, so... You had to balance all that shit with the scores and all this kind of stuff, depending on what mattered to you in those games. And I loved that. I thought that the balance in Dead Nation was so good, and I think that balance is lost a little bit in Alienation. The the from what I understand about Matterfall and from and and from what I understand about just the, the trailer and t- speaking to people about it is that it's I think going to be kind of like Resogun, but I don't I don't know for sure. It seems like the guy's running, You're running, yeah, yeah. And I'm super excited. It's going to be like a weird platformer that's constantly like I'm I'm jazz, but I hope they go back to the idea of not simplicity is key, but scaling it back and getting to the essence of what makes house mark great which is twin stick mechanics is what's going to make th- those games better and alienation nailed the twin stick mechanics there's no doubt about that but mm. there's too much shit on top of it mm. to like really ke- get, catch me the cool thing about detonation is you can beat it in a, like you can just sit there and beat it if you wanted to yeah you know? so i don't know colin good question though it's time to introduce you to connor connor is this week's PS I love this best friend XOXO. Of course, this is where you guys go to kindoffunny.com slash forums. Go to the PS I love you XOXO board and put in your PSN name so we can send the best friends to you. You best friends will send messages of support and fill out the friends list for Connor. Connor says, hey, Greg and Colin, I've been a community member ever since y'all launched the Patreon for Kind of Funny. Recently, I was going through my friends list and I just don't have enough friends to play games with on my PlayStation 4. I would love to be the PS I love this best friend XOXO for this week because I want to be able to start playing more online games with people. I've recently gotten into Elder Scrolls Online and I'm always going back to Destiny every now and again. My PSN ID is Crease 16 Then in parentheses, it's pronounced C-Reese, not Crease. No, motherfucker. That's not how words work. You didn't put the dash in your PSN name. So it's C-R-E-E-S-E-1-6. That's Crease. If you would have put C-Reese, you have an argument. You have a leg to stand on. But you didn't. So you are Crease 16. Embrace it. A combination of my first and last name. I hope you guys are doing well and recovering from Kind of Funny Live 2 and E3 2016. You guys rock. Keep up the good work and all the content. Much love from Texas Connor. Everybody, go befriend Crease 16 C R E E S E 16 also 
understand that this episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items in pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get four to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure you head to LootCrate.com slash PS and enter the code PS to save $3 on any new subscription. Loot Crate is more than just a subscription service. It's an entire community of fans that share their experience and interact with each other around the unboxing of each month's crate. And they guarantee more than $40 in value in every crate. Sometimes it's a lot more. Every month there is a different theme and all the items are curated around that theme. Join us as we celebrate the futuristic. They didn't put that in there. I put that in there for me. I like that. I like the echo. We've packed July's crate with items from some of pop culture's favorite pro prognostications. And I screw that up every week of science and the future. Look towards tomorrow with items from Rick and Morty, Futurama, Star Trek, Mega Man, Valiant Comics, and Star Trek, including a model, a figure, and don't forget our monthly tea and pin. Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, Jackie T, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash PS and enter the code PS to save $3 on your new subscription today. Colin, mm. would you like to know this week's Forgotten PlayStation Sure. Game? It sure was submitted by Stony Tark. Tony Stark play on words there. See what he did there? Hey, Greg and Colin. Long time listener, first time submitter. After you guys talked about Res VR last week, I had an idea for this week's Forgotten PlayStation game, Child of Eden. If I remember correctly, this PS3 game was a sequel to Res, and it's pretty awesome in its own right. It was musically weird and unique. Thanks, Stony Tark. It was. Child it was, of Eden. It was Connect first, right? And then yeah, they brought it to exactly. Move. Finally came over afterwards. Yeah, it was, it was a, another Mizuguchi game. Everybody was stoked about it. Came out. Didn't find the success that Res mm. did because it was more of just an experience of doing stuff. But mm. I did forget all about Child of Eden. Yeah, me too. Now, I remember the box art. Yeah. It was black and it just said the text on it, right? With like some like neon shit. Yep, yep, yep. It was weird. But that's a good one for getting ready for Res because God knows I am. Holy crap. That was a game people were really excited about on Connect, I remember. Yeah, yeah. But now it works out for PlayStation Move. Sure. Who is PlayStation, PlayStation, PlayStation VR? Who's, yeah. who's not excited for PlayStation VR? Everyone's excited for PlayStation VR. Can't keep those, those wands on the shelf right here. Colin, mm. let me give you PSN's worst name of the week. You ready? Mm. This one, I won't read his name for because apparently he didn't put it in here. We'll get to the name of the, the bad name. Okay? Mm. So this comes from Anonymous for right now. Hi, Colin and Greg. I know these topics are usually a plea to change our names, but I thought... I would submit something a little different. Don't worry, though. An inappropriate username is still involved. I bought my PS3 shortly after the release and knew I had to use the handle I had always used in local multiplayer. If you hadn't already guessed by my username here on the Kind of Funny forums, that name was Cooter Intruder. Nice. <laughs> Terrible. Nice. For almost seven That's years. That's a really in, funny name. For almost seven years and 18 trophy levels, I wore the name proudly, having received plenty of laughter and inbox approvals. One day, as I logged in to play Dark Souls, I was thwarted by a message stating I could no longer log on and had to call Sony support for help. The kind gentleman on the phone informed me I had been flagged for my username and would need to create a new one. Nothing I said could change this. Apparently, the name Psychosodomy was also not appropriate. <laughs> and I settled with King of underscore the Cosmos. I understood the problem and was happy to at least be able to keep all the digital purchases I'd made. However, all of my trophies were wiped away from the online record, which killed any future desire for trophy hunting. Obviously, this means Sony is capable of changing our names, but at the expense of losing our, losing our trophy records. Could this be one of the problems they've been facing? You guys certainly love your trophies. Would the trade be worth it? As a PSA, if there is anyone out there who really wants to change their name and doesn't care about their trophies, have someone report you. If your name is vulgar enough, you might get it changed all the same. Yeah, that's a lot of people talk about that, by the way. Cooter Intruder. First of all, Cooter Intruder is an amazing name. 
Seven years he got we away have with to, it. I don't understand. Like we have to go back, or someone should go back. Not us. Yeah. Someone should go back to whatever, however many movies we've done, and get all of the names we've listed, and then we should keep a, a running leaderboard of what the best names are. So, sounds like a job for Jericho over on the forums because he's always on top of this. Because Cooter Intruder has got to be up there, like top three, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's a ridiculous name. Uh, he's, and so Shocked he had a question there of like, could this be one of the problems they're facing? Yeah, it's one of the problems they're facing. I think. Oh, we yeah, talked it, about this. The, rather than give you a random number that then went to your name, so you could change the name, they gave you your name where the number should be. So right. yeah, changing the name now totally erases everything that's happened before. Yeah, then. and the, the so the the, the systems. Uh, so as far as I understand. Uh, PlayStation 4 make, unifies a lot of this and makes the changing much easier but as long as PS3 and Vita are still around it's going to be hard to change the names in the way that they want to change them the trophies exist separately from the name and the and the the association with the what you bought in the store and it also breaks leaderboards which is significant yeah um, so um, the problems are many but we have it on I don't know we've heard rumblings that they're doing it for a long time we've heard rumblings that they're doing it yeah we've heard some pretty significant ones, I know though. we've had I've, I was on the emails I know mm-hmm. what's happening over there I'm just saying We'll see. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, me too. All I right. mean, I will believe it when I see it too. But uh, but it seems like they're actively investigating how to do it, and there seems to be an internal timeline. But yeah. I don't I don't know any more than that. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been PSI Love You XOXO episode 42. Remember, this is kindoffunny.com's PlayStation podcast. So go there and keep the mics on by subscribing to the YouTube channel, supporting the Patreons, buying merch, or just tweeting at Colin about how much you love him. Also, remember, it's the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet. We thank you for that. Also, remember, it posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and podcast services around the globe. Every episode of PS I Love You XOXO ends in a segment and a song we call Singing a Shuhei. This is where one of you talented motherfuckers goes to kindoffunny.com slash PSM. The M is for music and gives me a YouTube link and a download link. To your song so that I can put your mp3 at the end of our mp3 and put your YouTube video annotated at the end of our YouTube video. Today's comes from Justin. Justin says, hey all, my name's Justin and I play guitar in Coasting on Potential, a pop punk slash metalcore band, puts in parentheses, think a day to remember, based out of upstate New York. We released an EP last December and recently shot a music video for the first song off that record called First and Foremost. You can watch the video here and he has all his links. Thanks. And of course, keep up the good work. I love the podcast. You can find these guys at facebook.com slash coasting on potential. This is their song first and foremost. And until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.
Thank you.